That's what's up. That's what's up. So here we are back with Renard's podcast. And uh, today my guest is Ian McLeod. Yes, McLeod. I said it, I said it right. <laughs> I, said, I always cringe. They're like, did I say it right? Yeah, it's all good, man. <laughs> Dude, thanks, thanks so much for coming over yeah, no uh, to, my, to my little... Little, uh, which more looks like a kidnapping people here. I'm just like bringing. <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's, dude, it's a legit setup. You know what I mean? Like, definitely, like if you think about most digital nomads, it's like you try to adapt. You you make whatever you can at everything, exactly. and um, and then at the end of the day, is like you just want uh, quality product. So, I mean, I think there was a uh, a couple of like movies that I like. What was it that the movie with Tom Cruise and Jimmy Lee Fox where they. They basically, sh- that was like the first movie that they shot without like all the full-on professional right, camera right. equipment. Like they had really dumbed down like just digital phones or something like that that they were using. And I haven't like seen sick. that one. Yeah. I haven't seen that one, but I heard a lot about how people do films actually just using phones and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's crazy. Like phones have better quality than some of the like pretty yeah, still man. new cameras. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. So I think like, I mean, people were practicing a lot and I think, you know, we're all working through our own crafts and I mean just doing podcasts alone like there's we talked about earlier but there's just so many different components to it and so many different avenues you can push the podcast and yeah. um I think it's at the end of the day it's ended up becoming like a um a consistency thing right like so many people start up they kind of give up early um but really you need to you need to put in the work 100 percent. we're gonna get to get to those values eventually but you see like ian he knows that uh he knows how to talk because <laughs> on a daily basis he talks a lot all the time and he's very knowledgeable and stuff and and you have uh and you kind of stopped doing your podcast but you've done podcasts for how long um yeah so like the actual like podcast that we had not as even not. I mean, not, we didn't have as much even production value as this. No, it's not about um, that. We just thought it's about content. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were we shot about like thirty something episodes, um, but then we also did two like bigger online events. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one was called the Educational Collective, and that one we had about twenty five uh, different like trainers and coaches from all over the world. Right, right, right. Some pretty high level like level coaches. Um, and then the second event we did was about 45 speakers. So we had guys like Marcus Philly. We had Ben Patrick uh, on. Um, we had um, Kelly Starrett. Uh, quite a lot of like pretty high-level coaches, uh, particularly in like flexibility and uh, mobility realm. And, uh, yeah, and that was a really cool, cool uh time. Like, and that, that was like 45 episodes. So, you know, I've, I've, I've shot, I guess, like almost 100 Um and then uh, it's it, it'd be nice to, you know, for sure to continue that back up. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's nice to keep that stuff going. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of also opportunities to, like, expand and go on to other people's podcasts because you want to, like, reach out to as many people as you can. Pretty much. Pretty I, much. I'm it's, not, it's for us just to sharing with all the knowledge and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Listen, I'm just going to stop you there. Otherwise, you're not going to talk. Just stop <laughs> talking, man. Um, so the, the first thing I always start with is, like, how we met. So yeah. we met um, uh, very recently, only about a month ago, when I signed up for Nirvana Strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was showing this little satchel. So this is uh, where I got all my little uh, coupons for free classes, for have a free dancing session, all that stuff which is very nice did you so, do the class um i did one class but i signed yeah. up for actually classes so yeah. i can the thing is like i need to change my change my uh subscription because yeah. i'd be funny like to see you in that twerk class though oh dude i'm yeah. my background is dancing 
Well, I mean, with the turquoise, turquoise. Uh, I used to work as a stripper for two <laughs> years. I think I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah Chippendales. Yeah, I did Dream Boys in the UK. It's okay. called yeah. So it's uh, it's more like Chris. It's like a cross between uh, Chippendales and Magic Mike. Oh, so there's shit. actually people who can dance, and yeah. there's like professional dancers. Uh, we had one guy who came from all the way uh, from Western, like not the Western, what are they call the West. Um, West side? No, not West side. Uh, East End in UK. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, he was dancing and performing in like Lion King and stuff like that. Oh, Professional dancer. Wow. Like, and the thing what what happened was in order to get like dancers for stripping is very difficult. You need someone with good physique. Yeah. You need someone who can dance and you need someone with good attitude mm. because we always would have some crazy British women chasing you, scra scrapping you. And it's not, doesn't sound as fun as you could think. Of. Oh my God, like what's the problem like, with yeah. the chicks chasing you? Fuck no. It's like one guy had like this, this deep bruises on his back because just one chick just slashed him with her nails. It's like, wow. it's not pretty. Anyways, that's <laughs> not what we're talking about. Um, so yeah, we met uh, about a month ago and uh, you know, <laughs> Ian is one of those people like this, you know, when uh, when Russian women have like a re like resting bitch face, okay. you have a resting serious face. Okay. And then when you just start talking to you, that all, all of a sudden this beautiful smile comes from nowhere. It's like, what the fuck? It's like, you look like you're angry, but then you're like, hey, what's up? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, anyways, and then we start talking and, um, you know, anything what I've seen you doing, it's it's pretty much... For someone who's done gymnastics for years and been in like athletics for a long time, I was like, I never seen anything like that. And uh, even even like stuff that you helped me out yesterday. So I have the issue with my knee. You started with like, this is what you need to do. And it was like, incredible. So um, Is it feeling better now? Yeah. It, yeah. it actually felt yesterday oh. straight away better. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I've, I've been doing all the deep tissue massages and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And then uh, we start talking and uh, we did some training together. And um, then I said, do you, do you mind coming over? And you said, okay. So that's how we met. Mm. Now, first thing what I start with is usually I want to try to kind of understand where you're from, what you've been doing to, to, to this point in very kind of like a little bit about your childhood, a little bit about what you've done in the past. Yeah, sure. Um, so, like, yeah, I mean, I played sports pretty much my whole life. And being from the U.S., like, we're very team sport orientated. So we didn't really have, a, like, a lot of the individual kind of sports, um, which I would have liked to have been kind of um, been exposed to those things. Cause I do feel like uh, like my my physique and, like, the my strengths would have played a lot better towards certain individual sports, mm -hmm. whether it be, like, Olympic weightlifting or judo. even gymnastics judo or judo, would be very good yeah, some wrestling stuff, and you know it just it wasn't that big. So we ended. I mean, I get got into mainly like American football, um, which worked out fine too. Like I love playing that. Um, I was always the strongest guy on the team, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, not the fastest, but you know I ended up just getting like nicknames like bowling ball and. Um, rhino and just stuff like this where just like crushing people you know um so yeah i did all that for for sports and you know a lot of it, all the sports that we did was all about bigger stronger faster and it was very specific to the sport and there was a also another level of mentality where like you sacrifice your body for the mm -hmm. betterment of the team for the betterment of the season um which is not the best long term because you just end up getting destroyed were you the and cool so kid, the jock? Were you the jock? Because in the States, it's all about being part of the group. Yeah. But you're a nerd, you're a jock, you're an emo, you're just a pretty boy or ugly boy, or whatever. Yeah, so the, the jock is definitely one way to go. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah, high school, I think, high school life in, um, in the U.S. is very interesting, especially when you're playing, uh, like I play high school football in Texas. Mm -mm. And there, like, we even have, like, 20,000 people for our games, you know, That's and we'd have, we'd have, like, 
two two to five thousand people for our practices and this is like high school right and like nobody people don't actually believe it but you can watch some of the movies like friday night lights and stuff like that and and some of that stuff is true and some of it is actually like um not as crazy as it is in real life like it's Mm. actually way worse um some of the things that we just do like we had uh, one time one of the when we're playing our crosstown rival uh, some of the students from our school went to the other team's field. They took their truck out there. They poured gasoline in the whole field, and they tried to light the field on fire. Um, they <laughs> ended up getting – they all got arrested. Um, but then it was, like, times where, like, you just, like, if you go to the wrong side of town and you have a sticker of the of the team mascot on your car, like, you'll go into the mall, you'll walk out, and there will be, like, bricks inside your, like, windshield. and Because like, they're competing all the time. They're rivals yeah, between just teams all and all the that time, stuff. Man. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, Are you a real American – this is america yeah so (laughs) you find there's a lot of those kind of competitions for sure especially in like uh like high school football is is massive in in certain areas it was funny story about the jocks but one time so my first kind of uh abroad place where i lived was canada i lived in vancouver when i moved from latvia about 13 years ago yeah and i remember there was uh someone said like oh you were you you were probably a jock when you uh you were younger Mm. And I was like, the only word I could uh, put together, because I just learned what jockstrap is, <laughs> working in a uh, gay club as a go-go dancer, yeah. which you do when you try to survive and uh, you have no other ways, obviously. And uh, and I was like, what do you mean, jo- what, what is jock, like jockstrap? It's like, no, no. But then it's related because the jocks, they're wearing jockstraps for yeah. their sports and the hockey players, they wear, uh, I remember like the cups. cups. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where it comes from. I was like, I had no fucking clue. I was not familiar with this. Um, so, but a little bit go back. So what state exactly did you grow up? As, um uh, yeah, so I mean, I've always, my family's always been kind of a nomadic family. My dad was military. So oh, about right. every three years we moved. Uh, so like I was born in New Hampshire. Then we lived in Korea for four years. My mom's Korean. Oh, wow. Um, and then lived in Florida three years, Germany three years, then Washington State, Texas, Indiana, Chicago. Um, been in Bali now for four years, but before that I was in Korea for 10 years, uh, as an English professor. So it was like, that's kind of, that's weird, huh? In Korea, <laughs> wait, Korea, I'm presuming South Korea. Yeah, South Korea. But I did visit North Korea. Dude, that was, that was intense. I can't wait, wait you know? about that. Yeah, so North Korea is definitely an uh, interesting place to, to get to. Um, and so like, uh, yeah, even there you get to experience what they present as like North Korea, you yeah, know, yeah, but, yeah. uh, but I remember we had a bus of like 40 tourists. Some of, I was only American and uh, they basically had like 120 police and military surrounding us the entire time. Jeez. And you know, you couldn't go anywhere that they didn't want you to go. You weren't supposed to take any pictures that they didn't want you to take. Did you try to take um, a picture from like the, the um, hotels and stuff just to take it and put it in your bag? Well, the first, the only place, the only place they had, you know they, but they actually, to. they actually will check your phones. No, 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 it's not, not about that. I'm talking about the this guy, the American guy who took a took a uh, some kind of a uh, not a how do you call it um, on a, on a wall. There was a picture on the yeah, wall yeah. in a hotel, and yeah. he took it and, and took oh, it away. Oh, he took the picture, and he got arrested, oh, and he got. It was, you never heard about this one. Uh, I don't know. This American American guy yeah. who was like pleading and crying and everything. Wow. And they kept him. Why in would he take that? That's just dude. dumb. No, no, no. That's but that was, dumb. yeah, that was That's crazy because they took him in like these camps, whatever. And he got, they released him finally. And he was just destroyed mentally. He was, That's, it's, yeah. You know, but they do, they were selling a bunch of like Korean propaganda stuff. Mm-hmm. So I did like, I bought like books to bring with me back. 
But no, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't go so far. Why yeah, would you do that in that you know state? Because like you yeah, know better. Yeah. It's not a smart thing to do. Wow. Uh, well, the last thing what I heard about North Korea is about this girl who escaped North Korea, and she was uh, yeah. on a podcast with uh, Joe Rogan. So good, man. Dude, I mean, I her story is crazy. It's a crazy story. The podcast is definitely worth a listen. It is. It's insane. I remember I was driving from this one stunt job I did. And uh, it was like two hours drive and it was just dark and I'm just looking at this road and dark and I'm just listening to this podcast. I was like, my, my spine was just shivers going down. It was, I knew it's bad, but I did not know that it's that bad. It's like anyone who wants to listen, just go check it out. It's quite crazy. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, that that's explains how, why you're so comfortable with just all the different cultures and you're fine with talking all sorts of people and the traveling bit. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're living a nomadic lifestyle, especially as a kid, you know, one of the obviously negatives of that is that you don't really have like a hometown to go back to. And like a friendship uh, with some Yeah, kids it's tough. Like I have like one one buddy from university I still keep in contact with and maybe like one friend from like middle school that we talk mm-hmm. every once in a while, but definitely not like really long term <laughs> stuff. Um, but I end up, you know, I end up finding friends like where I go and the people that I'm closest with are the people that I'm like that are present in my life now, um, which is always a great thing, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's been great to like, you know, meet like, even yourself, you know, it's quite, even though we've only had a few conversations, like I feel like we've, you know, been able to like connect on a few different points. 100%, yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's cool. It's, it's kind of like that almost like military lifestyle where, you know, just as soon as you find out that somebody else serves in the military, you like almost have like a brotherhood connection. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And, uh, and there's a lot of like shared experiences, like in, in the small time that we've talked and it's like, we definitely connect on a lot of different levels, you know, hundred percent. Like yeah. with the sports it's uh, one of the things, what do you know about these people? They're quality people in a sense of their commitment to certain yeah. things, you know, and, uh, there's just so many other, other reasons, other, you know, things, why, how people can connect but when they, yeah, but you definitely hit it on the, like, that's a big thing, you know, it's like whatever your craft is, um, I find that like high level performers approach their craft on very similar levels. Mm -hmm. You know, they might be completely different things, but like if I have the opportunity to see, you know, the best like break dancers in the world competing, like even though I don't do it, like you can learn so much from them. There's so much, um, you can, you can appreciate the, the art and the, the energy and the level of commitment that it takes for them to get, good their craft 100 percent the movement so. for me that's the thing is the movement and i did the, the highest level of performance i was when i was uh, in latvia doing karate so i was in latvian team and i presented uh, our country in like european championships mm. and stuff like that and it was a crazy feeling of camaraderie as well like with our team and like because it is individual sport but we would go support each other and that and before that i did play football soccer for mm. americans and i love that as well but the problem what i found with football was like there you always can find someone to blame you know, but when you do individual sport, the only person you're going to blame is yourself. And mm-hmm. that, that what I found was I take 100% responsibility instead yeah. of like, oh, yeah, this guy, he's not that serious to football and like as me and yeah. stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. And then um, how did you get into football? Like what other sports did you do before and how old you were when you started playing? Uh, so, I, yeah, I started playing American football, I think, uh, late like elementary school. Um, I'm not exactly sure what year is that is like maybe like 10 years old or something. Okay. Um, but then I got really big into it in middle school and then middle school I also played like basketball and baseball and a few other like team sports. But mm-hmm. I think, I mean, interesting point that you kind of, you know, made just earlier about, you know, in individual sports, like that ability to take self-responsibility, I think is something that's on a grander scale, just generally lacking for most people in their, in whatever hobbies or activities or whatever they plan to do is, you know, it's 
it seems like it's the first thing everybody wants to do is like start blaming other people. Um, but I did listen to, it was like, um, uh, one of those YouTube videos where it was like the best speeches of like movies, okay. like a combination video. And so then there was like one with like Rocky Balboa and he's like talking to his kid yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was like talking to his kid about the same thing. Right. It's like, it's like some point, like people kind of like lose their way and they just like, the first thing they want to do is just start blaming. Right. Mm-hmm, and they never mm-hmm. just like, just grind it, you mm-hmm. know, and never just like push it and are consistent you know and and they find any any reason to not take any self-responsibility for what Mm -hmm. they do and they use that excuse for all their failures but i mean it's not really the best way to go about it also can go other way around it can be going you know deprecate yourself in a sense like blaming yourself and always being very very high demand your performance and then like oh i could do better you know it's you have to figure out that balance you know for sure either way because there are some people just like constantly angry why are you angry i'm just so upset with my performance man like well just you know and that's what what are you saying and what uh balbo was uh sly was um, having in that film talking to his kid was about it's not about uh falling down it's not about getting hit but it's about what you're going to do afterwards and what is the aftermath are are you going to give up or are you just going to get up and continue because like in our school i don't know how it was with you it could be in america because it's all about winners the best the greatest but in our school um a failure was considered to be a a horrible thing Mm. so it's like if you're going to go try to get in this university you're going to try to do this and if you fail to get in there that's just a it's like uh this honor upon your house kind of thing like Mm. you know and uh, as older I'm getting, as more I understand the failure, it's it's not something what you should be striving for. But if that happens, yeah. it's just you learn from it, yeah. and then you move on, and then you get better. Yeah, it sounds it sounds a little Asian style, like mm. uh, the idea of because uh, well, it's like so. For example, like in Korea, uh, when they graduate high school, they have one test they take, right? And this one test dictates what university they go to, which inherently dictates like what kind of life they're gonna have. Oh shit. And so they like they'll shut they shut down the airport like for like when they do the like the listening section like nationwide no. they shut down the airport for like six hours. Wait, it's like, in South Korea. Like, yeah, and yeah. they're like there's like no sound like people are quiet and it's like because like this one test just like totally decides your entire life and they're like in high school you know it's so crazy yeah. but this idea of like failure yeah it just doesn't um, doesn't really compute with them on that kind of level mm. um, but I think it maybe used to be quite. Um, I think uh, geared towards like better performance in the U S but I mean, it's definitely shifted a lot where like in the U S now it's very much about like participation trophies and everybody's special and everybody um, gets awards for just, just being there. And, and it again, just, we like, go into other way. Like it's like, again, it's the balance. It's like to yeah. figure out what is that mid good way. Like, you know, we can talk about uh, for hours about like in States, especially what's going on about this, like cancel canceling culture, yeah. cancel culture, or like being triggered and all that kind of stuff. There's, you know, there's a lot of crazy shit going on. Um, okay. So States, uh, the fir- so the, okay. So you said about the, what States you lived and then sports about 10 years. And then from yeah. there you just continued for how many years did you play football? Uh, I think I played in total probably like 12 years. Um, so I played, in high, yeah, middle school, high school, uh, high school in Texas is really big. Like I was saying, I think before is, you know, we have like 20,000 plus fans like come to our games. Um, then I played for uh, a university in Indiana for four years. And then after that, I went to Korea and they had like a semi-pro league there. Um, so I played in that league for about three years. And then and then eventually I just kind of stopped because it was just, just doing way too much damage to my body. And then 
like movies like Concussion come out and you find yeah, out yeah, like yeah, all yeah. this what was stuff the about. What was the title of that film? Um, well, it's not really based on true uh, where they, uh, this guy got uh, taken to the prison. Adam Sandler was playing him. Uh, okay. He gets uh, Longest Yard. Yeah, Longest yeah, yeah. Yard. Yeah. I love that film, man. It's, I mean, it was so much bullshit there, but it was yeah. just so much fun as well. Like Terry Crews doing his thing with a hamburger, with the burgers yeah, and I stuff. I love Terry Crews. That oh, Terry so Crews is amazing. Man. He's yeah. so cool. He's one of the people if I meet, I would be like, oh my God. You're the best. Yeah. But I would try to sing that song straight away in the White Chicks. Okay. <laughs> and then he was uh, high on some drugs and he was with whistle and dancing and doing yeah. robot stuff, topless. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so actually I wanted to ask you, do you have yeah. any videos on YouTube of uh, you playing American football? Uh, no, probably not. You find it. Because no. like uh, last, uh, the guest uh, before, uh, one before, uh, Last one. Yeah. Uh, his name is Damien, and he was uh, grew up in uh, in Australia, and he played rugby. He was a pro rugby player. Oh wow! And okay. uh, so I was. It was so funny because I knew that you're gonna come over, and I knew that you're an American foot, uh, football player, and then you used to play. And then I actually asked Damien, "It's like, can you? Is it easy transition to go from rugby to American football?" Yeah. Which he responded, "It's like, yeah, it's pretty easy because American football is so simple." <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. in order to play uh rugby you have to know all these different parts and stuff yeah and then i said so what about if you move from american football to rugby he's yeah. like no they probably wouldn't be able to do it <laughs> uh, do you have a uh, um opinion about this <laughs> yeah um i mean i think that yeah i think it's definitely much more difficult to go from like being in this i mean i think generally I mean, there's just more people playing American football. Mm. And so I think there's a level of athletes that are in American football for sure. They could, oh, they're just so different sports, you yeah, know. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, I want to answer it in a way that's, like, very favorable to American football. <laughs> but I've, like, you know. But I, you struggle. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I mean, they're completely different sports. Because what he said, basically, that Amer if you play American football, you're very committed to this one position when you play. <laughs> whether you're a quarterback, whether you're yeah. a D, D or I don't even know those positions. Sure, yeah. But in uh, rugby, apparently, you're quite versatile. You do all sorts of things, and that's why it would be easier. But what, what do I um, do? Yeah, it's... But the level of, like, the planning that goes into every single game, there's so much strategy, and there's... Um, yeah, the nuances are so different. Um, I don't know if it'd be... I mean, there's definitely more... I would say there's probably more rugby players, former rugby players that are trying to get mm. into the NFL as opposed to the other way, um, just there's not um, a lot of, I mean, NFL is just American, right? So there's not a lot of American football players. There's not, like, uh, not as much as money rugby. anyways in rugby as it's in NFL. No, not like at American all. Like American football no has way more things. Way more money. money. Yeah. So significantly more money. Tell me about the injuries. What were the main injuries you were getting and what would be the uh, majority of people in your team or just American football? What are the main injuries? Uh, main injuries for sure are, are knees. Mm -hmm. uh, knees and ankles probably probably just lower body stuff like hamstring tears and stuff like that um, concussions will probably be quite high on there and with um, concussions is something what you don't really feel straight away you can actually smack it in the head or whatever and you're fine but then it kind of builds up well just like with anything well there's yeah there's different levels of concussion mm -hmm. um, and so sometimes I mean you, we used to just say something like oh I got my bell rung and it's like your just head just you just feel a little bit dizzy, mm -mm. Um, but it's something that you just shake off and you go back in right away. Um, now, obviously, they have like protocols where you have to follow, and it's like as soon as you have like that kind of situation, then you have to go through like testing like immediately. Um, so they're doing a lot of 
things to kind of like prevent like bigger injuries. But most people are dealing with like an accumulation effect, right? So mm. they'll get like a lot of small concussions uh, over the course of years. Yeah, yeah. And then that leads to a bigger problem. Um, so I, I do say it's so one thing I would say about like American football relative to like rugby is there's definitely bigger hits. And, and a big reason for that is because there's a lot of situations where you don't see the attacker. Coming. Oh, it's just so it's insane. so brutal. And they fly know? in with these like, and they have these uh, shoulder pads and whatever. In rugby, you don't. So yeah. if in rugby, you're going to fly in. You're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, and they're pretty much always looking at each other. They're, you can always almost see yeah, yeah, yeah. the person coming at you. So there's some ability to like be defensive. If someone flies in your back from behind and you just like that whiplash. And it's and brutal, that, man. Insane, like yeah. crazy, crazy shit. Um, and then with your family, so uh, your dad was in in uh, military. Uh, your mom, what did she do? Uh, she's just a housewife. Housewife. You know, I think, so you have uh, sisters, brothers, then? Yeah, one uh, one little sister. She's uh, two years younger than me, and then my little brother. He's ten years younger than me. Yeah, mm -hmm. so and big, if she's two years kid. younger than uh, yeah. you, then she's how old is she? <laughs> she's uh, she's thirty five. Yeah. Oh, you're thirty seven. I'm thirty seven. No. Yeah, man. You're not eighty four. You're a rat just like me. I'm a I'm a rat just like you. We're the same age, yeah. but you come across way older. Not because of the way you look, <laughs> because the way you sound. You're so mature. Wow. I've had like it's like the deep voice. You know what I mean? I've had that. Not eighty four, motherfuckers. <laughs> I had a kind of a, I, th I had an inkling that a, you might be my age. You know, the funny thing about that, right, is like, because I was born January 3rd, 85. And oh. so I actually, I thought for a long time I was like an ox. And then it wasn't only until like the last, like, I think even like three years ago where I was like, it was like, no, man, you're, you're a rat. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. Oh, so you're born in 90, uh, yeah, 85. 85. Yeah. Oh, okay. But the, the way the Chinese, the, the years yeah, go, yeah. it's just a little bit overlap. Right. So it's like from, uh, like, like typically like around mid February, until the next year, February. Uh -huh. So January is always like for the prior year. So January 3rd, 85 would be like for 84. So then it fits into the so year. That right. means you're younger than me. So you have to listen a to me. A little bit on the back side. You have to listen to me. I'm the elder here. Especially yeah. you have to follow the uh, Korean uh, ways. They, It's all about the elders, right? It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Next thing I got to come to Nirvana and listen so, to elders. So they have this expression in Korean. It's uh, it's Hyung, right? So Hyung just basically means older brother. So I would never like call you like Rainer. Like I would just say Hyung. Yeah, just call me older so brother. Like, it's fine. <laughs> just, just be very loud and articulate. Basically, Every yeah. time you see me in Nirvana yeah. now, uh, that's my older brother, everyone. Say hi. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes it can get confusing because uh people would they would introduce themselves or introduce the other uh, people as like hey this is my older brother but then you don't actually know if it's like their real brother or if it's just like their right, friend right, brother right, right. right. Um, <laughs> it was funny because it was confusing my previous uh, my, my last uh guest fufu who's uh a, a, he's originally nigerian he mm -hmm. grew up in states um very crazy interesting story and uh when i visited him at his place there was this black guy and mm -hmm. he's like oh that's my brother yeah and i'm like related brother or yeah. you just <laughs> you know and then because they look very different like literally they look like there's nothing and then afterwards it's like yes you met my brother it's like so it was your blood brother it's like yeah, yeah what did you thought <laughs> so like yeah. oh you know i'm struggling with that shit um okay so younger sister older brother what do they do younger brother oh sorry younger yeah, brother yeah. so both i'm younger. the oldest yeah oh that's why you're so serious yeah, probably. You know, I've been through a I lot. I was I was sure. the youngest kid. I was always t t doing shit and yeah. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> youngest kid is with a lot of stuff for sure. Yeah, and yeah. we was like, I was annoying as fuck. My sister couldn't get rid of me because she's yeah. five years older, so she had all these hot girl girlfriends coming over. Yeah, and I'm like, can I hang out with you? No. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. 
Um, and so what do they do? Uh, they, they're both back in the States, you know. Um, they've, um, yeah, my brother is working in the air, airline security agency. And then, um, yeah, my sister also works for a government agency doing um, just government contracts. Oh, yeah. shit. So, so yeah, you, you have to Different be careful because kind of men in black can, can come after you. <laughs> my, my sister and her husband start doing these really serious jobs. My sister, she's a CEO of uh, a port of Riga in Latvia. Oh, wow. And okay. so when she got that job, she, yeah. she said to me, what is your address? I was like, what do you mean? Like, in case if something happens, the people know where to find you. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not giving you my address. But your um, address is probably everywhere. Like, you're just traveling a lot. No? Yeah, I don't even I don't even know what means to be declared or whatever. I mean, yeah. well, in UK, to be honest, that address what I have is for last three years now and mm. before that it was six years the same spot but i was like i've always been somewhere away you know yeah. just pay my rent at uh, that place but yeah i don't i don't have home i'm a child of the world that's why i call it yeah it's definitely getting more in that way and i think after this whole pandemic thing like more businesses are open to the idea of like nomadic lifestyle people want to work remotely so that's you're going to see like a once borders kind of open up more and more you're going to see a massive surge of like people wanting to be more nomadic yeah it's gonna um, be insane yeah and it's borders are just not gonna mean as much as they used to for sure cool listen that's our first segment and we're gonna be back shortly okay we're back and we're talking about uh Ian just asked me about um uh, my family so I was just saying that uh, my dad passed away a while ago and my mom she was a journalist and that's one of the reasons why I think I like doing this and one of the greatest things about podcasts and the way it is, and thanks almighty Joe Rogan, um, that uh, it's just so open and so free. Yeah. You know, if you think about the real old school journalism, it's all based on writing. It's all about, you know, all of this kind of uh, what you're allowed to say, what you're not allowed to say. You're not use, you can't use jargon. You can't express yourself. It has to be very short. It has to be taken out of the content and all that kind of shit. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and this is amazing. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely so much uh, that can't be expressed through just the, the written language. And there's all these, like, nuances and conversation uh, that are really important. And mm. I think that, for sure, like, I think these podcasts and these, like, long uh, kind of format uh, podcasts in particular are really good ways for people to really listen in on conversations. Exactly. Um, and, and so being able to do it with, you know, a lot of different professionals from different backgrounds and stuff, like there's a lot of opportunity. I mean, Joe Rogan talks about all the time where he basically just did it because he just likes like talking to people and likes to uh, learn new stuff. And Ooh. that's basically the only reason. And he just happened to like be like the most famous guy right now. So yeah, but check this out. If I would go on while you're doing your workout, first of all, you, you, you always have your headphones and you don't want to talk to me. You do your thing. I can't go and talk to you. Like, so how's your mom and dad? Yeah. <laughs> how's yeah. Uh, how many siblings you have? Yeah. How many like, but then this is that space where we can just focus on this conversation and it can yeah. be so amazing. The same thing, like I can say about so many other guys who I actually know for years. I know this one stun guy for five years and then he's like, oh, yeah, I play, uh, play, uh, play bass. And I was like, since when you play bass? Yeah. Well, for years. Like, how the fuck I don't know that, you know? And that's why this, this whole thing is amazing. And, uh, again, learning also so many, so many cool things. Okay, so after football, uh, you said the injuries, and your main injuries were knees, um, ankles. Um, so, yeah, mine was, like, I mean, I always had, like, sprained ankles. Um, I was born with flat feet, so that was always kind oh, of, Oh, it's like beautiful. I, yeah. I noticed in the gym when I came over, like, Ian, yeah. what's going on with that? Yeah. <laughs> so that was always a tough one. Uh, my left knee in particular, like, I had a, 
like uh, I had to tore my PCL. I had a couple like um, like just minor like sprains of the mm-hmm. my left knee. Left knee's always had kind of issues. Uh, fractured my wrist, so I didn't have any like major major uh, injuries. Nothing that required surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had plenty of friends that you know like blew out their knees like real <sighs> bad. And when someone um, says blew out their knees, what does that exactly mean? Blowing out your knee. Uh, so usually it's the ligaments, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's there's four li- four main ligaments: the ACL, PCL, uh, LCL, um, MCL. And so the PCL is the one that I tore, and that's supposed to be the most difficult one to tear. Oh shit! Um, and so that one I tore. The other three I didn't tear. Um, but most people either have like an MCL tear or an ACL. And tear. that is blowing out your knee. So if blowing you out your knee is probably going to be like two or three ligaments, Fuck. like. Probably all that's going to be just like it's just blown out. I'm staying like, away from BJJ. <laughs> yeah, because so those guys blowing out their knees all the time. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about like the idea of these like kind of injuries, and you know, even asking like what's most common. It seems like you know there's certain uh, fighting techniques that lead to very specific kinds of injuries, mm-hmm. and they become accepted in the in the sport. Mm. And it's like, oh, if you just do this long enough, you're going to have this knee injury, uh, which seems kind of weird to me. It's like, why wouldn't you do something to prevent it, right? And uh, that's not really the perspective that most people would take. Uh, they didn't really take a very preventative perspective about it. It's like you either, like, did your craft and, lu- and you were lucky that you just mm. didn't get that injury, um, or you got the injury and it's just like, oh, that just happens to everybody. Um, and so that, that kind of mentality is like gone into other arenas where like, you know, right now in the medical industry in the U S you know, joint replacement therapy, particularly for the knees and the hips are two of the fastest like growing sectors. And, you know, and it's becoming, and it's happening at a younger and younger age every year. So you have all these different kind of situations where people have normalized these really kind of extremes which don't really make any sense mm. uh, from a longevity perspective. And we've completely, like, we talked, I think, a little bit about the idea of, like, like we've made our lives so comfortable, we've disconnected ourselves from nature so much that we're no longer stressing the body in a way that makes, that encourages it to be stronger mm. and deal with, actually, these problems. We're just so reliant on, oh, just get surgery. That's so weird, right? It's like, that's an easy answer. Just go get surgery. Um, take whatever pills you need to. Uh, pill popping was very popular in American football. I'm sure in rugby as well or other sports there. It's like, sports. I, I like the way you, you talk about it because this is what we're talking about, uh, excuses, fighting excuses. Yeah. So so many people very young age, like just graduating their high schools, and they're like, oh, I'm not going to play any sports anymore because I have back, back uh, bad back, bad knee, mm. whatever. And then instead of trying to go fix it and do the therapy, which is hard, which is long, you know, it's all this yeah. effort you need to use. And, and maybe costs and stuff. And so instead, you just go sh- like the, the sh- shortcut yeah. and just do that. And for surgeries as well, the same thing. And like yeah. they, they get to the point they're really in pain in s- instead of trying to, you know, fix yeah. it and like working on it. They and just go like, what is a quick fix? Surgery. Yeah. There, that's definitely one route that people go. The second one is that there are some people that it's like, oh, man, I've tried everything. Mm. I have went to this doctor, went to this physical therapist. I tried everything and nothing works. And so... I mean that that problem too is an issue because that ends up becoming that's just a systematic problem, you know. Like you have some of these doctors and physical therapists that look at everything in isolation and are not actually like physically active at all in themselves. Yeah. So the, everything is like from the textbook, and there's just so many things that they just tell people not to do, and, and typically, especially after injuries, right? It's like basically what they want you to do is don't move, right? Because the less 
the less you move, the less risk you are getting injured and the less likely that they'll get sued. Um, mm. And so they won't actually like push you to recover as fast as like what a professional athlete would do to recover. Cause there was like uh, one American football player. His name is Adrian Peterson. He blew out his knee like real bad and they were expecting him to recover in like 12 months. He basically recovered and got back on the field in less than six months. And the average person doesn't have access to the kinds of like rehabilitation services that he has, but there actually is a lot of stuff that can be done. Um, a big problem with it is that one, a lot of physical therapists and medical doctors just don't know how to properly rehabilitate people, but also two, to properly do it, you need a lot of personal attention and they don't want to give in that. They don't want to put in that time because there's no money in it. Mm, mm, That's mm. one. And then they don't want to take any personal responsibility. So if there's a setback, you know, it's easy enough to get sued for setbacks. Um, but if they never get hurt again, then there's no there's no risk of getting in trouble. Yeah, and that's welcome so. to America. All the swing culture as well. I don't know how it's now, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's still there. Yeah, it's it's still just there. all about swing. I'm going to sue you. You're going to sue them. They're going <laughs> to sue you. going to take all your money and they're going to sue you. You know how it all started, right? It was like the McDonald's. The McDonald's. Oh, really? Yeah, so this lady, she... Uh, they used to have like serve co the hot it's oh, coffee, so she right? Got it's burned. Hot. Did she that got, start with that? Yeah. So she. So, so heard of a, that. Yeah. So a lady got burnt like while drinking coffee. I mean, coffee's hot, like it's supposed to be. And but at that time, they didn't have the warning on the top. They oh didn't have God. the caution, uh, hot liquid <laughs> inside the cup. And and so it's like, well, what do you think is going to happen? You know. And so then, yeah, she she sued and she won and um, and then it. Good for her. She got money, you know, but now it's like everything's about being super safe, super safe. And you basically have to like cater to like just some of the dumbest people. Dude, they have in the States. I think it started with that. You should, there's a sign on the microwave. You shouldn't put a cat in the microwave. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you call you don't yeah. even, and then there's some people actually looking for these, uh, opportunities to figure out what they could sue f someone for something yeah, for sure. you know they go and there's a slippery fall they go and slide on it and break their arms like i sue you for all your money yeah. it's crazy i don't even want to go in there but that's that's a lot but the other thing what i definitely want to mention about the doctors and and uh, instead of prescribing like some uh, therapy uh, uh some physio whatever yeah. they rather prescribe you some pills because the pharmacy's there and the pharmacy gonna give them bonus yeah. you know that that whole story is it's huge as well yeah. the, the follow the money trace and uh, trail and one of the probably amazing examples of uh, of how what our human bodies are capable with it's uh, the book called the warrior pose i don't know if you heard of it so this guy I I a very famous uh, american uh, like a bbc reporter who traveled the world went to all these hot spots he was covering like these mm. wars and all that kind of stuff and there's one really crazy thing when he was telling this book was that as he was walking down this war zone and then he looks down on the floor and he sees there's a uh, 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 oh god uh, like a little worm not worm like what turns into butterfly what is it called caterpillar like caterpillar yeah he thinks it's like, like little fuzzy caterpillar yeah <laughs> worm <laughs> so he ta takes it up and then he realized it's someone's upper lip with a moustache mustache <laughs> in it yeah that wow. kind of shit like yeah. this guy i've seen a lot so and he did he was doing some weird thing fell on his back broke his back yeah and just that like, it wasn't like broke broke but it was really in pain and so he was getting all these painkillers and this horrible thing so 
he ended up, long story short, he ended up being like addicted to all these drugs and mm. to the point where he was sitting in a, lying in bed and he couldn't move. Mm. And then they were like sending him to this rehab and whatever, like he's probably going to die very soon. And then he somehow, because he was, uh, his son was just born and uh, he was like, I want to hold my son. I want to be with my son. And that was his biggest motivation. And then he found this uh, rehab where they were teaching all this yoga and start, he, he became just addicted to yoga. He did like yeah. five, eight hours a day. And guy after like five, six years, maybe, maybe longer, I don't know exactly how many, he was just perfect in perfect health. And he yeah. had a cancer as well in his like mouth or throat cancer. Yeah. And he got rid of all of those just through this movement, energy, stretching, all yeah. of these things. It's, it's incredible what we can do with it. And like, you can probably relate to this. I can't live one day without doing sports. Mm. I feel weird. I feel something is wrong, and my menta mentally, I feel like I'm I'm sick or whatever. I need to move every day. Yeah. Like this morning, th today I didn't do, I didn't have time. But this morning I went for surfing, even just to surf. I did my stretch. I did the thing. What you showed me with that ball. I was using my water water thing yeah. as a weight because yeah. I had nothing oh, else yeah, to put. That's yeah, good. yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Creative. You yeah. know, and things like that. It's all about that movement. And I love Jackie Jackie Chan's uh, a biography. Very interesting book to read. He basically says, if I don't train one day, I feel sick, mm. and I can relate to that. And it's so yeah. important. And some people, as you say, are away from that, from that natural movement and that kind of yeah. stuff. And the amount of chemicals our body releases when we train, like yeah. the endomorphins and all that shit. I don't even know what's the name of that. You can probably tell yeah. about it. Um, no, I agree with everything you're saying, man. I think, uh, yeah, movement is, uh, is a very important aspect of, of life. And, um, you know, unfortunately in the, in the U.S., you know, it's like 80, before the pandemic, it was like 80% of the population was either overweight or uh, obese. Mm. And, and like, I'm technically considered like overweight, borderline obese. He's fat fuck. I'm, Good yeah, I'm big dude, but, <laughs> um, but you don't see, yeah, you don't see like overweight, obese people like as physically fit as us. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're on the bad side of like obese. Right. And so, um, but the, the standard, the minimal recommendation from the American Heart Association is only like you know, three, three times a week of like 30 minute walks. Right. Like, Oh my God. And it's God. like, it's so low, so low. Or it's like once a week of like hard, rigorous exercise. So like 75 minutes of like a hard training session. Jesus Christ. And it's just like the standards in which we like, we live by are just so, so, so low. That's and we ridiculous. need to like up our game, you know, for sure. Um, and even something as simple as like getting enough sun, right. It's like getting vitamin D is like, a big problem for most people. So we have like compromised immune systems. We have compromised gut health. We have compromised like, uh, physical bodies and everybody's just figuring out like, what is the easiest way to get us healthy again? And it's like, now they're looking for pills more still. Right. And now they're looking at vaccines and they're looking at, uh, yeah, I'm just waiting when you're going to say Joe Rogan, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because man. that's what he was saying about as well. Like, yeah, wear masks, sit at home. What about training? What about all those things? Eat healthy. You know, yeah. and he, he's just going and literally shouting and screaming, come on, people, wake up. These are the things we need to focus on. But that's on. the thing, though, is that there's no money. There's no money in being like, not. hey, you got to get more sleep, no. you know? There's, like, no money in saying, like, hey, you need to go out and play <laughs> a little bit. Like, there's all these, like, very simple things that don't really cost very much, and people think, like, being healthy is expensive, but really, you don't need a whole lot, you know? And just living a very active lifestyle. I think we, we had talked a little bit about, like, uh, like, if you're a farmer, like, you have a very active lifestyle. If you're, a, <laughs> uh, you know, if you're a logger, you know, like, you're doing tons of stuff that's, like, keeping you very healthy and very, for the long term. 100%. Yeah. And so, just, like, finding something that's, like, a even if it's a physical play, um, 
That's and how how also um, uh, damaging is just the sitting as well. What we were talking about, yeah. How people sit like even now, I'm not sitting properly. I'm slouching like this, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not doing it eight hours a day. You know what I mean? Yeah. But even if I have to do podcasts for like this, I don't feel very well. No, you know, feel you, tight, have, feel you tight. know, like you have to sit properly and these things like that. And I remember when I was 24 years old, I just got my master's degree and I was working in corporate industry, actually working yeah. for Kraft Foods for okay. American company. Yeah. I was trade marketing coordinator for Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia. And uh, all I did just traveling around and seeing like, so I was sitting a lot in a car. Yeah. I was eating all their products, which were like chocolate bars and, <laughs> and crisps, the best. Yeah. When I was 24 years old, I'm not kidding you, I felt older than I'm, than I'm now when I'm th- almost 88 Same, man. it's insane Same. how we were like also all this stress sitting on this laptop and you stay you yeah. get out you can't see shit it's i don't yeah. know it's it like funny. a nightmare i, I worked at uh, frito-lay it's like do doritos and cheetos and chips and so i worked there as like a packer and all i did for like nine hours a day was i picked up bags of chips and put them in a box and that was all the I most did. creative job but you can the think thing of. about it is like every every friday though is like you can buy like this massive box <laughs> of chips for like Three dollars. It's like three dollars, and they just give you all the chips oh that you my want. God. And it would just be like, th- like everybody there is just buying these like massive bags of uh, boxes, boxes of chips. Oh god! And this these boxes would be like two meters by two meters. Like they, <laughs> these are big boxes. Um, and st- that's what you have for surprise parties. Instead of getting out of the cake, there's a lady jumps out of the chips, the crisp, man. crisp fucking box. So, oh, yeah. that's incredible. It's now it's like there's a lot of things. What I look back now to, and and just to look at the normal people. Actually, one of the words I can't stand normal. Yeah. Uh, but the people like the 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 uh, I, I would say eight to five work and stuff. Um, and uh, I remember the best comparison for me was like so for last eight years I've been like doing gymnastics and doing. Uh, and being surrounded by all the people who come to gymnastics. Mm. So it would be all the circus performers, dancers, acrobats, trickers, you name it. Like the proper gymnasts who do Iron Cross. And you just talk yeah. to them like, what's up, whatever. And then in those eight years, I just so got used to that environment. So it's so in- com- compa- um, competitive. And I want to be like them. And if I can't do double back for a dumbass. Mm. You know, it's like, what the fuck? But then there was one time I remember... Uh, me and this one stunt guy, we want to go through this uh, pad routine and the gymnastics place was closed. So we went to this local gym and went there. I felt like I'm in some kind of, a, I don't know, slave yard or something. So these people <laughs> doing their walks on the whatever and they just yeah. feel like someone is going to whip them if they're not going to continue doing it. So you can see in their faces, they've done eight to five job. Yeah. So most likely their boyfriend, girlfriend doesn't like that they're fat. So they go there and do their thing and it just looks honestly like a slave camp and they're not enjoying what they're no. doing there's no pay like a passion of you know and nothing yeah. in gymnastics someone does a trick everyone yeah what's up man and the time flies you don't feel that you're tired you're just yeah. enjoying it the same I, thing like vibe in in nirvana you yeah. know you go there everyone is doing something say hi to yeah. each other help to each other i mean that's one of the things that we consistently get from everybody that comes to nirvana strength is you know, like most places you go, let's say if you go to commercial gym, mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. much like that slave mentality. Uh, everybody is doing their own thing, but everybody hates whatever it is they're doing. You have some gyms where you walk, as soon as you walk in, there's like competition and testosterone like oh, thrown yeah. at you. And it's just like, you just can't handle it in that regard. And the thing is like we hear about our gym to, uh, thing mm-hmm. is uh, that, you know, even though everybody looks quite, you know, fit, um, probably fitter than most other facilities, but everybody is really focused on just personal growth, right? And we're all trying to help each other get mm, there mm, as well. Mm, so mm. we understand there's like that community aspect where everybody's doing their own thing, but we're also trying to help each other as much as we can. And 
I mean, education is one of the one of the founding principles of like what we do as a facility is trying to help people become independent and help them like take more responsibility and have the power to take care of their own health. And so, you know, I I love like having these kind of conversations with uh, people like yourself or uh, some of the other like episodes that I did with my podcast is, you know, you surround yourself with other high level performers and you're you're just naturally going to elevate, you know, and um, and you want to use that as an opportunity or a catalyst to change, not see it as a, a form of uh, like, you know, a reflection of your weakness or, um, you know, you see it as something is intimidating mm-hmm. because actually we're all here trying to support you mm. um, to get better. 100%. Yeah. And that's like with anything, um, you know, the, uh, what's the name of that film? Gambit something, Gambit something, uh, this girl who was playing chess. Queen's Gambit. Queen, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Such an amazing yeah. film, man. And uh, I think one of the, they're saying like, you can get better only if you play with better. Yeah. And that's with anything, 100%. Mm. There's no doubt. If you're going to surround yourself with losers who don't have any like, uh, you know, aspirations, any of, you know, don't have the vision boards and shit. Yeah. <laughs> don't have big goals in your life. Um, you know, that's, it's, it's just like, show me your five friends and I'm going to tell you exactly who you are. Right. That's, yeah. you know, it's a very simple concept. And for me, it's such an organic thing nowadays. Like, even if I spend time with someone and, uh, and I was just actually today, I was sitting with my friend and uh, this uh, place called Seaweed, just at the beach. And he pointed on this one guy. It's like, do you know this guy? And I was like, yeah, I know him. So what's the deal with him? Like, I was like, yeah, he's all right, but I, I don't like him. It's like, why didn't you like him? Well, we talked about something and he was like, oh, I'm full in, man. Yeah, we're totally going to do it. And then I never heard anything from him. Yeah. That for me straight away i can't you know when someone gives their word and they don't follow up and they don't i would be so fine if you would message me a day later sorry man i was just so busy you know things just got out of the hand whatever and uh we will try to do next time whatever it's fine but someone is just like oh yeah dude we're totally gonna hang out we don't do this and this is like what i noticed in canada that was very like western kind of a mentality Mm. as well like when uh, i was struggling to even understand why people ask me how am i Hey, Renars, how are you? So, well, today I did this and this. And then he just like walk away. He's like, where did you go? I was about to tell you how I am and yeah. what things happen. Well, that's just a culturally, that's a greeting, right? Sure. But in a lot of it is just in there. It's like they just want to come across friendly and nice. Yeah. And then they're like kind of interested in your life, but they're not. Yeah. And that's what Eastern Europeans like or Europeans in general struggle with Westerners. Because yeah. like, you know, French are going to say exactly what the fuck is. They're like, oh, I don't like you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> you know, and, and American Canadians going to be yeah. you very good. Then they turn around and it's like, fuck you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a weird thing. Like there's just the idea of like being honest with somebody. Mm. And it's. Uh, definitely a very lost concept I think in Western culture um, but I think yeah I'd, I've heard that a lot of times uh, from people that I've interacted with that are from Russia or Eastern Europe where they'd be like I don't really trust uh, Americans or trust uh, Canadians is like because they don't they don't speak truth right it's like <laughs> but then the truth, but, truth. But, but then it's like you do like listen to some like i had this um one uh russian friend she was living in canada and um and we we're just talking about like just relationships and dating and i was like oh so you're, so you're dating a canadian she's like no and i was like i was like oh, why not she's like oh they're too weak and i was like i was like <laughs> damn <laughs> like okay i get i get what you're saying i thought it was just like so funny because I like this one for this one. Yeah, yeah. So They're too weak. They can't break my uh, uh, my bear at yeah. my home. Yes. So it's, it's so funny. It's like there's definitely things that people want, um, but they, they want to also appear to be nice. Mm-hmm. And so they end up like kind of, they they act like they're nice, but they end up 
like being two faced mm, because yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. actually like express what they really want. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it, this world could definitely use a lot more like just honesty and, and just, just truth and, and learn from both sides for sure. Yeah, 100%. Because like you don't want to be too nice and just being you know dishonest, and yeah. you don't want to be just total <laughs> dick because like I didn't like you, <laughs> go <Yeah>. away. <laughs> but how about you talk? Yeah. And that's what the things like when uh, uh, some people say, like, why Russians are such a dickheads, you know? Yeah. But there's uh, I talked to someone, the Russian, uh, my Russian friend, and he said most of them are just feel uncomfortable to actually speak to someone because yeah. their English is not good enough yeah. and they're com uh, conscious about it. And then they're like, oh, kind of, I'd rather not to talk. And then yeah. they come across a little bit rude. Yeah. But the other reason is, which I thought made the most sense, was that Russians in general don't travel that much. And they haven't been a lot, especially the Russians in Bali. Yeah. So they, that's the first place they ever came. And they come from the fucking jungle where they need to, like, you know, kill two guys to get, you know, in front of the queue to get fresh bread or something. Uh, maybe not, but yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of mentality. Yeah, and it's, it's great. So listen, I really want to get now this gap between you stopping doing football and to that when you got to Bali and thought sure. about opening the gym yeah. and also un understand what is your deal. To, are you partly owner or what is the deal with the Nirvana? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I, like I started getting back into the fitness industry uh, probably like 10 years ago maybe. Mm -hmm. um, I started working at a fitness facility in Korea and uh, eventually, like, it just started progressing in a way that, like, I just wanted to get into a modality that was really, really focused on performance. Um, I kind of want to get away from just the aesthetics uh, component, like, just body composition training. Uh, when it was, so um, you were also teaching English at the time. You said you were an yeah, English so professor? I was a, yeah, it's taught, taught English. Are you actually a professor? I was uh, an associate professor, uh, yeah. Do you have PhD? No, 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 no. Pretty For us, hard. we didn't need the. We just <laughs> needed a master's degree. Something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like on the side of that, like I was just working at a at a fitness facility, uh, doing like personal training, and mm. uh, we we did a lot of the body composition stuff, and we focused a lot on habit change and on hormonal, uh, like balancing people, and um, and eventually I wanted to get away from that and start working on more the like the flexibility gymnastics kind of style uh, stuff because I felt like it just was a much better path to go mm -hmm. for longevity's sake and performance sake. Uh, eventually it did lead to like this opportunity to open up this uh, gym Nirvana Strength in Bali. And I just saw it as like a really good opportunity to help overall the fitness industry, like shift more away from the medical way of thinking, mm. like very reactive to a more proactive and preventative uh, way of thinking. And it just made a lot more sense to focus on uh, flexibility on strength throughout the entire range of motion on, on on basic training principles that would last a lifetime you know and it's like the longer we live now you would expect that the health age would also be greater as well but we are kind of living in an age where people actually there's a lot of people that actually don't want to live to be like 100 years old because mm -hmm. they don't want to look like they're dying they don't want to oh be, yeah they yeah. don't want to be I'd rather young uh, yeah. die young and shit they don't want to be bedridden they don't want to be like moving around in a wheelchair they don't want to be hooked up to an auction tank like that's not really like the kind of life that they would want to live so can we increase our health age which is a really big you mm. know part of all this um so yeah health so age is a really amazing concept sorry yeah. interrupted you but i really wanted to get to the uh how who did you meet and how so how many people are the owners or whatever on the on the yeah nirvana so there's strength? just there's just two of us okay uh, as the owners at nirvana uh there's uh myself and and uh, johnson uh, he's uh, my friend from uh, Malaysia. 
And uh, we both originally got into, there was a company in the U.S. called Gymnastic Bodies. Mm. Um, and that was uh, my first introduction into gymnastic strength gotcha. training. And then we were supposed to originally open up as an affiliate of them. Uh, we ended up not doing that for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, but it worked out for the best because they were just, uh, we're very, I'm very much against like just generally dogma in any kind of like training. You know, there's a lot of different ways of getting good at whatever it is you want to get good at. And I think uh, making it relative to each individual is what helps people stick around fitness for the oh, longer yeah. period of time. Yeah. If you just relate it to whatever their goals are. So a lot of people don't really care about performance in the sake of like being able to do, you know, backflips or whatever. But you might want to have performance enough to be able to play with your grandkids. Mm -hmm. And that's your performance, right? That's what you want to be able to do. Um, and so whatever your chosen activities are is like, how do we gear the the idea of like training for longevity's sake uh, towards the activities that you want to continue. Cause motivation from that regard is what is most difficult for, for most people. Um, so yeah, just the two of us owning the place. And uh, what was the other question? Um, so yeah, uh, that meeting someone like-minded yeah. and uh, how did you guys met? Uh, I think I met him. He's an Asian-looking gentleman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, a bit taller than me. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, much better looking as yeah, well. Yeah, much better looking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we met through a mutual friend uh, through, uh, I met, um, so our mutual friend I met at a gymnastic bodies, like, so, uh, seminar. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then like, when I talked with the owner of gymnastic bodies, I talked about this facility, and he happened to be there, so he just thought we'd be, um, yeah, good connect. And uh, we spent a couple weeks out here just doing some R&D and looking at some new places. And uh, that was our opportunity to, like, really get to know each other. And, and that was one thing. like I only knew him for, like, less than two weeks. And I decided it was, like, a really good partnership to have. Um, but it wasn't just that two-week period, right? It was, like, I tried starting different kinds of businesses for, like, 10 years in Korea. Mm. And there were a lot of bad experiences. And so I had this, like, massive collection of, like, all these red flags and none of them came up like when I talked with him and I hung out with him. So mm, 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 mm. there's definitely a lot of opportunities to like learn from bad experiences and use that as further information to even know like what you're wanting to yeah, get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% it's not about yeah. how hard you fall and how hard you get hit. It's about yeah. what did you want to get Getting back up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is, that is, uh, and now it's been five years, Nirvana Strength. And what did, what did you guys smoke to come up with the name? It's going to be so Nirvana we're at, Strength. We're about, uh, we just passed three three years. We're like three and a half now. Oh, okay. Uh, I've been here for like four. Um, so the idea of like Nirvana, the, well, like we knew I wanted, I wanted to do it in Bali. And so coming up with a name, like I just talked with everybody that I knew that came to Bali. And everybody would give like one word to describe their experience in Bali and a lot of people would say like happy or joy or paradise but it wasn't really like I couldn't call my gym like joy joy gym <laughs> or like, or like happy gym you know? was like, do you want to go yeah. to the happy gym so how come it's happy well yeah. every time you're there so, you're happy so originally it was like um like I was big into Bruce Lee uh as well yeah. I'm still am you know and I was really big into this whole um this his uh, speech of the be water my friend mm, mm, and mm. so this idea of like adaptability and so there was a lot of um, even with our logo right our logo is the eternal knot which is this concept that everything is connected and so there's it's it's more than just in buddhism like uh being from a like a scottish background as well there's also variations of like eternal knots uh more like rounded uh so like a celtic knot mm -hmm. um and, and so there's a lot of similarities in the sense that like everything is connected and, uh, and so it kind of just led me to, and when everybody's talking about 
like Bali generally is like a paradise or perfection or those kind of things. You know, it just kind of led to this idea, this concept of nirvana, where it's like this ultimate state of perfection, ultimate state of happiness, ultimate state of of where we want to be as humans, right? As far as like our uh, our journey to become the best of who we are. So it was uh, originally just like it started with nirvana, but then you know I needed to add a little bit extra because people would just think the band. And think of <laughs> Buddhism. So then, strength made a made a perfect sense because, like, there's strength in everything that we do, and it goes beyond just like actually physically being strong, but like flexibility is a strength, uh, resiliency, right? The ability to adapt is like these are all like signs of strength. So strength just made a lot a lot of sense. So Nirvana strength is like where that name came. The logo I think fits in really well with uh, with who we are, and um, and then being in Bali is like that kind of spiritual component mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people are missing. So it was nice to, um, but a big reason for setting up here was looking at the, just the industry as a whole, you know, the, the global wellness Institute is a a nonprofit that puts out a tons of reports about, uh, the wellness tourism industry and Southeast Asia is one of the fastest growing regions in the world. Um, Bali in particular, just, it's like the epicenter of like health in, in Southeast Asia. Hold the thought. Okay, um, talking about Nirvana strength, about coming up with logo and all those things. I was just showing uh, this on a screen, and I will show it to all the, the people who are going to watch this. So these are Latvian ethnic patterns. So when I saw the first time, and it's also in red and white mm. in in uh, Nirvana uh, strength, I was like, this reminds me. Of my grandma used to make me uh, these gloves in the winter, so yeah. they would be like, what is the name? Crochet. What is the name yeah. when they? whatever I do them so. <laughs> and um and yeah and that's why it's like for me it was like wow this is uh, crazy and then other thing what latvians are crazy about is folk dancing like national dancing yeah festivals yeah and they have these outfits where they would have all these patterns as well okay it's pretty pretty i would just show you just for for a little bit of giggle i'll show you how latvian uh folk dancers look like <laughs> latvian uh folk dancing whatever yeah. dancers here you go and I used to do this uh, for quite a long time. Okay. Uh, like I was part of this kind of festival where all like dance together. Oh, it's, legit, it, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's like line dancing. Huh? Dude, it's about 10,000 people, 10,000 dancers really? at the same time. And then we had 20,000 uh, singers. Yeah. And that would be a si- song and dance festival, what they call in Latvia. And you can just see like, like uh, it's difficult to see like the patterns and yeah. stuff. Where they, oh, on the crown, on mm. the crown, they would use those patterns. What What is in your thing? Okay. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting how, you Definitely know. have to go visit sometime. Oh, dude, Latvia is beautiful. I mean, we have a lot of hot chicks. Are you single, by the way? No, I'm not single. How long you been? Uh, you married? You single? No, someone? not married. Yeah, we've been together What's for his name? a little. <laughs> <laughs> is it your we partner? To, is it the, uh, we've been together for a while. Uh, she's she's based in Jakarta right now. Um, so we just have this whole, like, long distance thing. Oh, which wow. Which is kind of a pain in the ass. But, uh uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's going it's going well, you know. Like uh, we, we're dealing with it, and everybody says they're good luck with that. It's uh, never worked for me, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. You know, and I think there's definitely a lot of um, uh, like challenges that come with the whole long distance thing, and um, you know, it's. I think I think I agree with you. Like I think most most everybody that I know has like been in it. Mm-hmm. Is like it just hasn't lasted i don't know um, it's, it depends so. it d- there's so many different individual cases like if you've been three years together and it's been beautiful you're not going to go break up now if one moved to jakarta for like three four months or something you're going to make it right work. and it yeah. to, to get to jakarta is not that bad it's like what hour or two hours it's not even it's an hour on a plane 
Yeah, but now it's like it's not far, but it is far if you don't have the vaccine. Yeah, because so, yeah, yeah. oh, you can't shit. fly. <laughs> oh, so you t- just take a boat and you just and just row. Yeah, so you could drive. You could drive there. It's like twenty four hour drive. Oh, nice. You could okay. drive. There. I don't love you that much, honey. <laughs> Do you? Can you guys meet in halfway <laughs> somewhere yeah. in Bandung or no, so. not somewhere else? Okay, about again uh, continuing Nirvana's strength. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, the the name is original. The the logo is original, and the reason why I'm talking about this because I've been working my logo. I just yeah. came up with my logo for my podcast and. It it is pain in the ass to figure out everything. But this, I yeah. think it's very simple, very straight, straight I to the point. We probably took an easy route with the Rosa logo, you know, because mm. we just like found something that kind of already existed. But uh, I like that logo. That's definitely something unique. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm so I'm yeah. so glad with my this is my friend Patrick. He's a German artist. He does. Uh, he draws his own comics okay. books and yeah. stuff. He just you see that for that on the wall. Yeah, that's yeah. him. Oh, that's he sick. just did it for uh, Christmas as a secret Santa. Yeah, yeah I will. I will take photo. I will, sh- I will put I'll share yeah, with you the rest sick, of the guys. Man. And and he's just a, just amazing, amazing guy. And check this out. This is an ga- example of German work ethic. Check yeah. this out. So he was working on just to finish some touches on on this logo, and he got dengue. <laughs> he got dengue so bad, like really bad, and he ended up being in the hospital. Mm. And I and in the meantime, he was still working on it, and he wow. was just like. Send yeah. me something like Renards, I'm almost dying, <laughs> but I need to finish this. I was like, that's what's up. That's what I call yeah. a German work ethic. Yeah. And then I just met another German guy. No pressure, he's gonna start working on my website. <laughs> so we'll see what's going on at. Yeah. But yeah. Um cool. And then uh, what were the kind of a biggest challenges business wise? Uh, you can probably share with someone here in Indonesia they would like to try to 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 yeah, have a business starting in, business in Indonesia is, is interesting, you know. Um there's a lot of things uh, from uh, like the actual business setup perspective. That's it's like it doesn't really match like Western idea of like how we want to set up business because we would think a lot about you know trying to do things very, uh, the legal route, right? Mm-mm. And so like things here is just like there's just so many things. There's like you got to pay this person, you got to pay that person, you got to like just it just like speed up the process. Mm. Um, but you know the thing, the funny thing is like sometimes the language they use. Like one time we had to get our neighbor to sign something. And he responded by saying, like, he wants a processing fee. And I was like, what are you talking about? We just need your signature. And he's like, yeah, yeah, processing fee. But it's funny because, like, you can think about, like, in business in the Western world right now, it's like if I worked in one department and I have to give a paper to another department, there's a processing fee now because, like, I've got to work. Even if you're sitting right next to me, now I charge a customer processing fee. Or otherwise computer says no. Yeah. So (laughs) it's it makes sense, you know. It's just... It, the difference being is like it's like really in your face like mm-hmm. corruption uh, versus like I guess hidden behind your back. Like oh, that's so funny. We were just talking so about funny. this. Like the when you pay for your food or whatever, there's going to be like service fee, right? Yeah. In Italy, if you ever buy food in Italy, they actually have a little uh, thing saying uh, "pay for the table." Yeah. Uh, so instead of like service fee, like yeah. they just put as a definite price you paid for the table. Yeah. And one time I just got pissed off and I was like, "Listen, give me that food. I will take home, yeah. and I'm not gonna pay for a fucking table." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so everyone is trying to do different things and hide that. And that's like in states, like in in Europe, most of the time you're never gonna pay taxes. Yeah. So in states, you see one price in Canada, the same thing, yeah. and then you at the till to pay it. All of a sudden, yeah. it's more. Like, why is it more? Well, yeah. taxes were not included. Mm. So it's all these little things here. They are like just straightforward, motherfucker. Pay. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Yeah, pretty much. So that's that's one thing. Well, obviously, there's like cultural differences that you have to work with as far as uh, you know the local Indonesian 
uh, people, whether they're from like Bali or from Java or from different parts of Indonesia, well, because they all mm -hmm. have like different kind of personalities. Um, and also, you have to think about like what's their religious background because like yeah, yeah, yeah. they have certain religious holidays throughout the year. So you you almost have like a staff that's like half Muslim and then half like mm. uh, something else because if they're if they're all Muslim, then they would all go on vacation at the same time, and your business has to close. So that's like one thing. And then like work ethic is another another you issue. Like um, hire a lot of atheists. Like uh, <laughs> a devil worshippers. <laughs> I don't know. If there's, I don't just know. If there's too just many a of those. Big ad like uh, devil worshippers are, uh, you know, advised yeah. <laughs> to come, come over. I'm. I, I actually wondering if if you heard of this. Like someone just told me, um, he's from Australia. No, no, no. He's from. He was from Netherlands. Yeah. And he was telling me this thing that um, people like girls who work here in, in um, as waitresses in like yeah. um, service industry and in, uh, in like food industry. Uh, and uh, they would not have that money if they're not married. So whatever money they make, it goes yeah. to their family. It goes mm. to their basically father, as far as I understand. Okay. And then, so that's why very often you see them, they're not like very excited to be there. You can just feel that. They're mm. like, oh, whatever. And then, because uh, I was kind of saying that like, oh, a lot of times I'm just like getting wrong order yeah. and all that stuff. And that's when he explained to me, dude, if you would be literally working for nothing and yeah. it's like that money, you don't even see it. And then I said, so what happens when you get married? And they're like, well, then that money goes to the husband yeah. kind of thing. Have you heard about I these don't, kind of things? I don't know how much that is true, but I, I could see it to be true. Um, as far as like the consistency problem, mm. um, for sure there's a, a pretty good amount of it that they're just not wanting to put in the kind of effort that we would probably would see in like Western culture um, as far as like service goes. Mm. Um, but you do find some places that do it really well. You know, and I think there's definitely a lot of there's it's more than just one reason for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I would say most of my like female staff, um, they're either uh, they're either married already um, or um, they're actually here on their own mm. um, because they come from a different island. Yeah. yeah so they're yeah. not really from. Story, yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. really from Bali. So they definitely, um, you know, some of them keep everything. Some of them. Some of them do send money back home to like support the family. Yeah, but a it's bit, different. But yeah, it's yeah. like normal, I think. Um but I think you'll find that just in a lot of different uh, situations, different cultures. I mean, in America, it's a big thing, right, for, like, Filipinos to go to America to make money because they, they make way more. Yeah, yeah. And then they can support their family. One of the things as well, like, you can't really just come as an expat and just open your name. There's so many things that you have to open on someone else's, like, who is a local. How did you guys work Yeah, with so that? there's two different kinds of, uh, like, basically, like, LLCs or company formations that you can have. One is, uh, like, a PT, which is... You have a majority owner, which is a local uh, mm -hmm. Indonesian. Uh, so they're supposed to own, I think, technically like at least 51% of the company, which I think a lot of the companies do do because they um, doesn't require as much capital, like oh, initial capital gotcha. to open up. Um, we, there's the other option, which is like more of a PMA PT, which can be 100% foreign owned, which is like what we have. Uh, you don't have any local Indonesian partners. Uh, it just takes a little bit more capital to start up. Um, but it does, obviously, like, you're not as much of a, at a risk of, like, the company being taken out from mm. underneath mm. you, you know? Mm. Um, but there was, like, a, I think there was, like, a rumor one time I heard where basically, like, half of Chenggu was, like, owned by, like, some Indonesian woman because she just signs all these papers to be, like, the majority owner. But she doesn't actually do any of the, like, the businesses. So she just gets, like, bankrolled, like, money, and uh, she doesn't have to do anything. And I don't think she ever really wants to, you know, like operations is a is a pain. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's pretty sweet setup, I think, for her, if it's true. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, that's typically the way that most people go. I think it's a little bit easier to set up a business now than it was when we first started. Um, There's a lot of people kind of opening up uh, different uh, kind of paper businesses. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And you can set up a company, like, in something small like this. You don't need, like, a big operation. In a hotel room, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. That's how we do it. Okay, the next I want to talk about you being all these, this knowledgeable Superman, knowing (laughs) all these things about gymnastics, about stretching, about... Um, so how do you how did you accumulate this knowledge? So it started with you getting into fitness and then kind of getting into gymnastics and learning this. Yeah. How do you exactly do that? Um, I think I mean one of the biggest things that's really helped over the last uh, like three and a half years that we've been open has really been to invite uh, a lot of other practitioners mm. to come in and do workshops. Uh, and some of these people like their the knowledge they have don't exi- doesn't exist in books. And there's like, there's, they don't, they don't put out courses. They don't do anything like that. Right. It's like, so we had, um, like Andre Bondarenko and his wife, uh, come out and they're both circus LA performers. And it's like, they're not writing books, you know, they're not like putting together video courses for people to like, you need to learn from them. And I think that's, it kind of goes to the greater idea of like the idea of being like an apprentice or like you want to learn a craft and it's like, you actually like work with the master right and you like work with them mm, for mm, like mm. years and you like you learn all the nuances and and every detail that goes into it and you're actually putting in like time and effort and energy into it and so like having the facility to be able to do uh these workshops with these really high level coaches and practitioners from all the world they've all learned in their own ways and they've all done it through their own practice and they're a living embodiment of what they do and so being able to like learn from them has been uh, has been fantastic in our development. Um, so learning from others is is highly valuable, you know. And we think of this as like, you know, maybe someone not might not be older than me, but their training experience in their craft is significantly higher than my training experience in that craft. So like, let's say handstands, Mm-mm. you know, I'll listen to somebody like Miguel Santana or uh, Yuval Ayalan because they like they've been doing it for like decades, and it's like they know a lot, you know, and to be able to speed up my progress as a, like my own personal training, but also in like my knowledge level that I can share with other people. It's like, you want to do your, you want to gain your own experiences. You want to study yourself, but you do also want to like gain information from other people. Like you just have to, you know? So even like, I really, really, really appreciated that one day where we were just working on, uh, you know, learning a couple things for cartwheel. And then we started doing like a couple like acrobatic stuff and, like how quickly, like I just picked up, like just doing that. I don't know what was that uh, kind of like tornado kick thing. Uh, butterfly kick. The butterfly kick. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I see people do that all the time. It's like, I feel like I probably need to practice a lot. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's like you gave me just a few tips. Mm-hmm. We I tried it a few times, and it was like, boom, just getting it, getting it, getting it. Now it's just like I need to like practice it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And but there's two sides to that, right? One is like your ability to like instruct it and teach it and coach it. Uh, and give some feedback but also too from a learner's perspective is like can you there's a uh, we talked about in football it's like you want to be teachable mm. and it's like can you actually take in what that person is saying and then apply it um because there's a lot of people they like listen to everything i'm sure they'll try it and it'll be like they'll do it for years and just like they'll never get it Mm-mm-mm. um it's it's um i think there's definitely a a thing that goes towards like how do you learn like that learning process and so i talk about this a little bit um with regards to like learning like a lot of people watch youtube videos or watch tedx or whatever and they think they're learning and they like find out how to do stuff 
but really they end up just like um, knowing some just very broad thesis of like what is being talked about and doesn't they don't actually learn like what it is they're actually like listening to mm-hmm. um, so that continue like corrective feedback process that they need uh, is really missing for most people in their learning process. And the thing yeah. what I can add to this, like I, I think it's amazing when you have the you know instructors coming in who like, who've been tr- who've been doing this for years and they they all experience. But what I saw in uh, gymnastics place uh, back in the UK, Beckton, East London, whoop whoop, um, and then when all these people meet from all different walks, what I saw the greatest thing was the skill trade. Mm. It was used like a currency. Yeah. You teach me how to do cartwheel. I will teach you how to do uh, a boxing. You teach me how to do rings. Mm. I will teach you to do how to handstand. And I was seeing that all the time. Yeah. And the greatest thing about it is that you also feel uh, special. Yeah. Because like like just a couple of days ago, mm. I can teach you cartwheel. Yeah. And then afterwards, you're like, oh, this is how we can relax your muscle. And this is what yeah. you need to do. And that's when you don't feel in debt. You don't feel like I owe something to this person. Yeah. No, I help this person and this person helps me back. Yeah. And that's the greatest way how society develops and how they get better yeah and like honestly to see that in gymnastics in Beckton, it was like this amazing dancer just shows you how to do proper box splits in mm. flying in the air and then you teach that dancer how to do a spin kick because yeah. they have no background in martial arts mm. they don't know how to land the kick even though they're super flexible and all oh, there's there's just so many stories where can just go and go and go yeah it's it's i wish it was a little bit more like that you know now it's become this um idea of like being secret like mm. people are trying to like like really hold on to like their knowledge and don't want to really share it unless you pay for it mm. and and I, and I can understand that to a degree but there's definitely a lot of a lot of development to be had mm. if there's mm. a lot of skill trade a lot of shared experiences and shared knowledge and uh there's time and place for i think for both it's just finding a balance between the two but uh but people do put out like a lot of these systems with like this is the best system mm. if you don't mm. do this like you're not going to do anything um, you're not gonna have sex for seven years yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do it so, this way yeah so it's it's very it's but very it's interesting you know what way. it's it's yeah. i think it is a bali mentality though because the bali mentality is like i'm here i don't i want to develop my business i want to yeah. be someone who someone looks up to and i'm this magical guru who I, only i know how it is and you do understand where they come from but the greatest thing is about uh someone who is not really kind of making money with that that's when they're willing to share and then they see that I, they can learn something you know yeah. that kind of camaraderie I guess just the friendship sure. and just you know it's like back in the days when like uh, there was no currency the, the currency was like I have potatoes you have a goat you know I'm gonna give you 10 sacks of potatoes you give me one goat yeah, and that's how it yeah, worked yeah um, you bring uh, 10 cows I'll give you my daughter it's still there but yeah I think that's that's amazing way how to how to learn how to grow and how to how to get better yeah and so yeah, and so my original question was about how you learn all these things, and yeah, that's that's a perfect perfect um, answer. Yeah, and, and of course, like you know, I still continue other paths of learning. So I think like there's a guy, uh, his, his Instagram is like flexibility research, and he puts out like a lot of really good research mm-hmm. information on flexibility, which is not something that I'm gonna I'm not gonna spend thousands and thousands of hours looking at research papers, but I can look at someone like him who I trust to look at that research and then give me a lot of the information in a very condensed way. And it's like, oh, that's something I'm willing to pay yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I try to find a lot of like people like that as well who are really, really good at what they do because what they are putting out as far as a product goes 
um, I'm willing to pay for because it's going to significantly reduce my learning time. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have to look at all the information they're looking at. They're giving me the bread and butter of everything they're looking at. And so this is another thing is like, don't be afraid to pay for good quality mm. uh, education uh, and do it. Cause you're also supporting those people. Like they, they're not making a ton of money, you know, I mean, at least not all of them. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're doing a lot of this because it's their passion. So finding people who are like, living the part, putting out good quality information. Um, that takes some time to research as well because not everybody puts out, they put out um, f- like really the perceived quality. So it's like very, it's a lot of marketing gimmicks, yeah, yeah, yeah. gimmicking, you know. Um, so you want to make sure that it's like you're getting really good information and getting good quality for the money that you're paying. Um, but yeah, but don't be afraid to, to pay because, I mean, you could technically get everything that you need off of like YouTube, but... I mean, how many hours and days and weeks are you going to spend, like, searching out things? How many times are you going to make mistakes? How many times do you, like, you know, there's, like, so many things. Like, time is such a important commodity. Just about to say, how much how much you value your time? Yeah. So there's no like, money to put against your time, 100%. So, so there's definitely, like, Yudi Marmerstein. He put out, like, a really nice book um, with a bunch of videos. It's, like, it's way more value than what you're going to pay. Um, I think his like his book right now is only like seventy five bucks or something like that, and it's like it might seem like a lot for a book, but it's like the the amount of quality information that he puts into it is totally worth it because mm-hmm. he just shares everything. He's so like giving, and it's like I love guys like that, and those are the kind of guys like I love doing workshops with. I love like collaborating with. I love like working with them because they do see it as like a greater. Uh, it's a greater passion. It's a greater purpose. Like who they are is like, they really want to help people and uh, they're just trying to, you know, make ways to be able to do that. And make a difference as well. Like for yeah. so many people, that's, you know, that's what they call the Maslow uh, development uh, pyramid. It's yeah. like when you make sure that you have enough food to survive, blah, blah, blah. And then one of the highest ones is when you actually care about other people. Yeah. When you actually uh, want to help other people, you mm-hmm. know, instead of just taking their money or whatever. And it's like the same guy, like knees over toes, like Joe Rogan can't stop talking about him. Yeah. You know, like guy just start just helping and, and all of a sudden, and this is the thing that good things going to be recognized and they're yeah. going to be rewarded, yeah. you know. So, but it just has to go down to, again, do stuff what you enjoy and you're happy and you're just being honest. Yeah. How often do you try to get people in to do some seminars and stuff? How, and it's very, it's not that easy at the moment. Yeah. It? I mean, before, before the, all this pandemic and the travel restrictions, uh, we'd have a workshop pretty much once every month. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the idea. We had a bigger training camp uh, once a year. Uh, it was basically, it would be like a week long with like four different uh like practitioners, um, like Simon Atta, Simonster, and um, Fitness FAQ, and like we had Devin Kelly do was part of that the last time, and so that's something that we definitely like to start up again, especially the workshops as well. So you know, we just gotta wait for the borders to open up again. That's uh, really the the main thing, right? Yeah, the biggest problem yeah. at the moment. Then you just kind of have to improvise. Do you guys ever try to do like a Zoom, Zoom kind of um, seminars and stuff or that would be too difficult? So, I mean, yeah, I think to be a little bit hard, you know, um, then you're, yeah, you're, it's a different kind of, um, yeah, it's, it's not really like, why, why would you do it with Nirvana strength? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. You know, um, like we could try to go down that pathway where we can host a lot of different like workshops and, and try to push different people's content. So mm. it's, definitely something that we could like look at you know and just do it maybe on a smaller scale um like having big zoom things but it's awfully really difficult too to like host 
like these physical training yeah, workshops. Yeah, yeah. When like you actually have Zoom. to be there. Yeah, you can't really. There's so much to learn from physical contact um, and being able to see it in real life, ask questions in real life, uh, and uh, and be able to practice it while being able to get feedback in real time. You can't really get that in a Zoom, mm-hmm. you know. So there's a lot definitely missing there. Yeah. Um, so in Nirvana, you have a really nice recovery uh, concept as well. So it's a hot bath, cold bath, sauna. What is your look at like the whole, you know, maybe if we want to touch upon a little bit, just uh, Wim Hof's concept and uh, um, when you found out about it the first time, how was it for you to... Yeah. Or like when you even played football back in states, was it a thing? It was it was a thing to sit in a yeah. Cold we bath. did some like we did some ice bath stuff, um, more from like recovering to get your legs back underneath you, mm-hmm. like because you're doing like multiple practices in a day. Uh, so right now it's like the main things that I would probably look at is uh, doing like heat or sauna kind of training or therapy after doing resistance training. Uh, that's just going to help Im- like prolong the positive benefits of your training session and help you recover faster and do other things like increase your testosterone levels and just help with the overall mm. healing process. Uh, ice bath is uh, more, I'd recommend it more for like either recovering quickly from like cardiovascular base like sessions. Uh, so like a lot of running and you plan on doing like another training session mm-hmm. relatively soon. Um, or you use it like maybe in the evening time for like full on recovery Maybe do some contrast stuff. It's going to help you go to sleep better. Um, so that's that's how I look at it. You can also just look at heat training and then like ice training. So I think there's opportunities to like get better at handling extreme temperatures that can help with like heat shock and cold shock there uh, yeah. proteins. And so someone to look at is someone like uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick. She yeah. does a ton of really good information on uh, heat shock and cold shock uh, therapy. That name is just like from the, again, from podcasts yeah. from uh, Joe Rogan's yeah. podcast. So she's, she I've been following her for a really long time and she's got some really, really good content. Um, and so, yeah, I love like people like that as well because they're also, they haven't, it, it sure is their business, but they're also looking to just help people and put out a lot of really good mm-hmm. information. So like her and then someone like Dom D'Agostino, who's really big into like fasting and keto ketogenic diet like he has like a ton of information there he's very science uh based so uh he puts out just a lot of information he gets a lot of money ra- he raises a lot of money from charity and from selling his books to help fund like more research so he's never uh like very dogmatic with the way he goes about things but he's just wanting to put out a lot of information with regards to that kind of mm. like style of um eating and nutrition. so talking about sauna and cold bath like the way i do it and probably it's not right so i started uh, <laughs> i started There's a no while wrong ago way, no yeah. wrong way. i started like with uh, having cold bath in my garden so i would just like ha- i would buy this little fridge just stuck it full with like the water and just having the size and i would get it to up to like down to four or five degrees uh, celsius sure. And I would just like sit there and whatever, like, oh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm a cool, dude. And <laughs> and I would just uh, sometimes it would be too long that I couldn't get warm again. I remember I would be, do like jumping mm. jacks for like half an hour. I'm still freezing. And then I was just trying to understand more about it. And then I start swimming in Thames, uh, which goes, I started like uh, 10 degrees and I went all the way down to like five degrees Celsius. Wow. And five degrees Celsius in a river, uh, comparing five degrees Celsius in a hot, in a, in a tub. Yeah. Wow. That's very a very different, different story. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And like, you know, getting into that and I thought I'm a big man. I can be like there for three minutes. And I saw, see these ladies swimming there for half an hour. You know, I was like, okay, I'm not a big man. And then you look at Wim's stuff and it's just, there's just so much information going on. So if I would say, if I, every day, whenever I do workout and I finish with sauna and cold bath, 
Would yeah. you say that's okay? Would you say that is fine? Or yeah. should I be doing it twice, three times? If I just go there for like 15 minutes, get really nice and hot and warm, yeah. jump in a cold bath, and I go home, is that okay? Yeah, so typically, uh, I guess, like, you do your training session. You probably do um, one or two rounds in the sauna afterwards. Um, ideally, you'd kind of, like, want to get your body – you would want to allow your body to get back to normal mm -hmm. uh, before jumping into the ice bath. Um, but, you know, if you had a good, like, 45 minutes uh, between the end of your training session before jumping in the ice bath, like, I would say that's probably more than enough. Um, there's still a lot of research coming yeah, out on all yeah, this stuff. So thing. it's not, there's yeah, it's not, nothing is like really definite. And there's like people have been in the Scandinavian countries for like, you know, so long, like well before like any of us been researching yeah. anything. So there's definitely a lot of like play and how you can do these kind of protocols. Um, y it's easy enough to overdo like recovery stuff as well. You know, oh, yeah. you can completely stress yourself out. Yeah. Um, like I remember they had, I had one period was like, like almost like every two weeks I was doing an IV drip every week I was doing float tank. Uh, I was doing recover like ice bath, hot bath, sauna, like every day I was doing like red light therapy. I was doing oxygen chamber. I was just doing all these things and eventually just came so much. that I was like stressed out from doing all this recovery mm -hmm. and it just got to be just too much. Um, you know, you need to think about your recovery relative to like the amount of time you have and, um, and the amount of training you're doing and how much actual like effort you want to put into it. Um, you know, you just got to get good. You got to get good sleep, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. add in a couple of things like recovery stuff that you really like to do, whether it be sauna, ice bath, whatever. If you just like absolutely despise ice bath, like it's, sure it can benefit you. But if you, if it's a net negative, like it costs you, causes you more anxiety mm -hmm. then you get the positive benefits out of it. It's like, it's my, probably not worth doing. I think we have to go down to just like how to, to, to feel it just like with diets as well, which, um, if I, we can talk a little bit about that as well, yeah. but like, uh, you know, like this diet, that diet, it's like, and Dominic Rapson is a perfect example of, and you know, you had him on his, on your podcast yeah. and uh, who also talks about all these things like veganism didn't work for him at all. Like, and you just have to feel your body how it mm. is. And I think now with the like cold bath and, and sauna, it's very similar for me. I go there, I sit for like sometimes 10 minutes sometimes 15 minutes because i feel like i still sure. still okay and then i go out, get, get in the sauna i don't do timing anymore i was yeah. before that it was oh, four minutes i need to do in a cold yeah. bath not anymore just whatever i feel like mm. um cool listen this is our third segment we're doing amazing we're gonna do one more we're gonna talk sure. about some books and some knowledge boom we're back and uh while i was just uh, resetting cameras and stuff um, i was saying to you for you, it's quite difficult to, you know, there's so many companies approaching you and, and saying, like, try this out, try this out. So you mentioned just right now, what was the suit you just tried recently? Oh, so there's a company here, uh, CryoSkin. And mm. so they do they do two things here. One is uh, just CryoSkin treatment, which is basically like uh, fat freezing technology. And uh, so let's think of it as like a biohacking thing, right? It's like, um, you know, how can you more quickly like do like spot reductions? Mm. And so it's really hard to do like spot reductions generally through like just, just training. Um, you can do it to some degree with like supplements and obviously you can do some, and some of the spot reductions are more like hormonally related. Um, but you can also do like spot reductions, let's say through this uh, fat freezing technology. And so you can do these sessions where they're just like, they, they bring the temperature down, um, for your fat, like on this like little tool they use, it's like minus 10 degrees Celsius, like on your fat cells. So it's like basically killing your cells, your fat cells. And then what it does is that you, 
uh, you allow it to process through your lymphatic system. So like dead cells in your body just get processed and you eventually just go to the bathroom and you just like pee it all out. Um, so that, that whole process will take like up to like two weeks to get done. So that one is not really like intense, um, beyond it's just like really cold. Um, so, but the thing I did today was, uh, NMS. Uh, so it's basically like a body suit and you do like muscle stimulus. And so the original, like one of the ideas of like this muscle stimulus was like, so after you trained, like let's say you train legs, it's like you can only train your legs so much to a certain level of like fatigue before, uh, your, your neurological connection is not there anymore, right? It's like, mm. it's really hard to continue to perform squats with good technique because you're just like, you're mentally, you're spent. But your body, your muscles can still work, you right, know? Right, right. And so <clears> what <throat> you would do is you would use like muscle stimulus, like elect electronic muscle stimulus to keep training the muscle to just work harder. And you can do it without having to think, right? It just, it just does it on its own. Um, <laughs> it's one of those like back in yeah. the they, they they saw these for your abs like you do abs yeah uh, right right basically contraction like and that. I remember my dad who had like this like belly like he had triples and triplets sorry triples triplets <laughs> and uh, and my mom said like yeah your dad doesn't want to work out but he yeah. bought this thing and so he thinks he's gonna get rid of the, all that weight yeah. and I'm like but also like it's so interesting to talk about these different inventions I mean nowadays they have a more of a kind of a scientific background to it sure. there's so much already been done yeah. research but remember like back in the days like some old stuff was like oh you need to do this and then you got rid of this weight and I remember this this one equipment was like uh, oh no the funniest one is the, the, the ball, shake weight the shape yeah. one and you can do it like this yeah. and you can do it like this it's like what yeah. uh will ferrell was uh advertising that not, yeah. not like playing yeah, around yeah. with that but then i remember there was uh for it's always been about abs because it's yeah. all about the six six pack abs sure and there's this one other th thing you could just st stick to your stomach and uh and it's a huge business especially yeah. in states no, all that sure. Talk. Sh what was the name of that shop called? Whatever, and then you can order it. Like what home shopping network? Home shopping like network. Yeah, no, but I think it's cool. I mean, like, I'm really big into like biohacking, and mm. I think biohacking is a quite massive. Uh, what is the definition realm. for biohacking? So, for someone um, who doesn't know. So, I think like generally, if you just think of biohacking, it's just like modern modern techniques or modern tools that help you optimize your body. Mm -hmm. And so it can be from like supplements, nutrition. It can be with like these kind of tools, like cryo skin or anything cryo related. So there's like cryotherapy, uh, cryo chambers. There's oxygen th therapy chambers you can use. Um, it could also you can also biohack your training sessions, right? So like, what is the most minimal amount of training that you can do that's going to help you focus on? better joint health yeah right? yeah 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 so and hacking so is like it's not not used in like a negative connotation but hacking is like almost how you can cheat in a sense but in cheat is like how that do you, you optimize yeah because yeah. like you don't want to spend you know if you can get the same benefits in doing a 30 minute session mm. of like i mean there's a lot of research being done now on uh mushrooms mm. right so like mushrooms to help with your like mental clarity and mental thought and, and all these things, right? I so participated in three of those researches yeah. uh, last year. It was okay. really good, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, <laughs> biohacking for your mind, biohacking for your sleep, bio, like yeah, you can do yeah. biohacking for pretty much anything. It's like, how do you optimize, like, so even sleep, right? It's like, how do you optimize your sleep to get the most out of the seven or eight hours that you're mm. sleeping? And it's like, you know, obviously they had simple things like wear blue light glasses, right? Turn off technology before going to bed for like an hour, um, like just like small things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So yeah, biohacking can be like literally anything. It's a massive, okay. massive field. So that's something that I'm hoping to eventually bring to like 
uh, Nirvana Strength is like a biohacking facility. And our, our biohacking focus would be more just performance. So like, how do we help you recover faster? Um, how do we do things that will help you just optimize from a physical training uh, perspective? But, you know, physical training can also go into like neurological improvement. Yeah. Um, so any, any of those things that kind of help with that whole like performance aspect of it, uh, compression, uh, sleeves and stuff like that can also be quite helpful. Um, and we kind of do it a little bit with our recovery center. You know, we have a different focus on it. We have a performance aspect to it as opposed to most places that just do it because it just, they just include it because for whatever reason, mm. um, they think it's cool, but there's actually like real reasons why you would want the, the cold, like the coldness of the, of the bath to be like five degrees instead of mm. 10 degrees because 10 degrees is not going to really do it. You know, it might make you feel cold, but it's not going to give you the level of uh, benefit that a five degree pool would give you. Um, so there's like small things like that. It's really important um, when it comes. Yeah, to but it's, it's so interesting to see how it's uh, been developing for last 10, 20 years. And it's oh, just we're getting sure. so more and more fitness orientated. And it's like, you know, in, you talk if we talk about states like obesity is a huge problem, but there are certain places like. LA or whatever like that they, they are just crazy about being the healthy the healthy For sure and you know the shredded and fit and all that mm -hmm. and then they finally start understanding that shredded doesn't mean fit anymore you know like yeah. all this bodybuilding craze is gone like people understand the steroids are not you know all these things uh, what do you think actually you mentioned a little bit about the hormone hormone stuff like so it's getting also very quite popular um, um, so peptide peptide therapy right um, so peptide, peptides are uh, amino acids, right? Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, these are kind of like naturally forming in the body for the for the most part. And the idea of like peptide therapy relative to something like more synthetic. Mm. So we think of like just popping pills. So like a funny one would be like thinking about Cialis or Viagra, mm. right? It's like you take that pill, it gives you a hard on. Like, I tried it. That it. didn't work for me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. No, I tried it. It did not so work. So there's like that. It's very synthetic. It forces your body to behave in a certain way. Yeah. Whereas if you think about peptide and peptide, like peptides and peptide therapy, uh, the idea is that it supports your body to behave more optimally mm. or behave how it should actually be behaving. Um, you know, we have so many different aspects of our lives that were really kind of negatively impacted with, with regards to like our environment. So for example, like, um, like exogenous, like estrogen, like of uh, uh, photoestrogen, phytoestrogen, something like that. Anyways, so like there's like a lot of uh, like products that we have. So like the idea of like BPA, right? Like in bottles. So there's, I think there's like a couple of other things that like you find in, in bottles and different products that we have where, I mean, it's putting a massive negative impact. Having bottles a massive like impact. Uh, plastic bottles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. About, yeah. It's having like a massive negative impact on our hormones. And so there's like a few um, like reproductive uh, focused doctors that talk about like, for example, like the average 25 year old male now has the same testosterone levels mm. as the average 70 year old male from the 1950s. And it's like things like that. It's like, whoa, like our testosterone levels are really like dropping. So that like was crazy. also was related to soya products when someone just go crazy. For sure, soy problems. man. So like you want to, you want to minimize like the amount of foods that are estrogen promoting like mm. in your in your body and, and a big part of that would be like soy products right um so soy like flax seeds those kind of things there's a, there's a lot of products for sure because not only if you have the choice like as far as food goes like why would you consume something that's gonna have that kind of impact on your hormones there's some environmental things that's really hard to avoid so like you know many of us that are like using our cell phones 
you know, there's some negative impact that's coming from it, but you can minimize it as mm. much as you possibly can. Uh, there's some things you can completely avoid. Um, as far as some of the chemicals that we have in our products, like hair, like shampoo and stuff, it's like you can find products that are probably better for you. Um, so that, that's a huge industry as well. Now they, um, uh, I've heard someone like doing also like multi-level marketing as well with the uh, with like shampoos and uh, and and skin oh, products, sure. and they say like anything you can buy in a store, they're total crap, and they have all these negative chemicals in there and stuff yeah. like that. And, but because it's just for a common public whatever it's fine um and they've been doing that yeah. for years and like it's difficult to even think of that oh whatever i put on my skin it can actually be, be so dangerous but it can it yeah. can but i mean a lot of the products that we i mean w what are they doing right a lot of it's actually like hiding like our natural like let's say like say for example like using perfumes mm. right it's like one it's actually having a negative impact because like we associate scents with different uh types of people Right. And so right, right. even in the idea of like se seeking out a mate, mm. right? Like there's a scent component that's actually really quite important. It's a huge one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really, and you can be like, you can essentially like manipulate the other person, like by whatever like perfumes you put on. Uh, by um, fake boobs, fake asses, fake oh, lips. Sure. There's so many things you can manipulate with nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's all that, you know, and then it's also like, but then all there's all the chemicals that are in those products, yeah, you know, yeah. and to, to think that, like, using all these products with all these different chemicals is not going to have any kind of, like, negative impact on you doesn't make, like, it doesn't make any yeah, logical yeah, sense. Yeah, like, yeah. how could you bathe in chemicals to a certain degree and not expect something to happen? Now, most people are probably not going to experience, like, really high levels of negative impact. Mm. Um, but also in a long-term study, like, how do you know? You know, how do you know how, how they're going to impact you over, like, using that product for, like, 60 years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Just like, well, like also, in ba back in the days, uh, people thought asbestos is good for you. People thought <laughs> smoking <laughs> cigarettes is good for you. Yeah. It's like, I remember we had as asbestos in our sauna. Yeah. I remember my dad was, like, uh, putting this on a on a ceiling and a, against uh, around this, like, really hot pipe where the, mm -hmm. the smoke would come out. Asbestos was around it. And I was like a kid who was just sitting there. Probably that, that explains uh, why I'm so weird. Yeah. Um, and also, like, listen, there's so many things we can talk about, like the diet. Can you just touch upon a little bit about diet? Like, what is your diet and how you sure. look at it? And um, yeah, I mean, I think I think for the most part, most people like um, you know, not it's not just about like what you add into your diet, but like what can you take out? Mm -hmm. um, you know, that most of the crit like chronic diseases, like problems that we're having, cardiovascular diseases we're having, they're all lifestyle related. They're all nutritional related. Yeah. And so to not think that all these products, right, in bags, cans, bottles are not having the, a massive negative impact on us, like just look at what the typical standard American diet is and, uh, and, the, and the obesity levels that we have globally. Big bo box of crisps, do you get those? Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. <laughs> two so, meters by two meters. Yeah, man, so it's just like uh, get rid of the vegetables, seed oils, and everything that you eat. Um, you don't need any of that, really. It's... it's Infl like managing inflammation is really really quite important but you don't need oils that's what you said uh, vegetable and seed oils oh vegetable yeah, and seed oils so any yeah. vegetables and seed oils you need to get rid of that you know so like at our cafe we only use uh, coconut oil olive oil and butter right right, right. Uh, so sunflower oil I know for no a long time that yeah, it's no shit no sunflower oil and it's disgusting as well yeah it's sunflower disgusting. oil stinks so no sunflower oil no palm oil no 
uh, yeah, there's no seed oils. And a lot of oils, they use these oils in Indonesia for their food, don't they? When they fry their stuff. Yeah. Which yeah, ones yeah, do yeah. they use here? Uh, palm oil is a really big palm one. Palm oil. Yeah. What? Oh yeah, so pa- I get pa- like a palm tree. Uh, what is palm I oil? I think so. I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Um, but anyways, get rid of the seed oils and the vegetable oils. Um, you know, most people probably don't have a big, n- like a massive negative reaction to gluten, but I think it's enough of a reactive yeah. uh, ingredient that you probably should just minimize your intake of gluten. And then the, the last one would be refined sugars, right? So refined sugars and kind of going with gluten is just all the refined flour. So that's mm-hmm. probably a better way to look at it, right? So refined flour and refined sugars is get rid of all that stuff. And if you just avoid those three things, um, that, I mean, well, it's going to pretty much count out like 99% of all the products in the supermarket. <laughs> um, but uh, what about dairy? So dairy, dairy is, uh, can be good. You know, I think raw dairy products are really good. Mm. Um, if you have some lactose issues, which like Asians typically do from a, from a genetic perspective, like we're quite sensitive to, um, I like to you dairy. say we, like yeah. so weird that you're know, Asian. I'm half Korean. Oh, yeah, shit. So weird. <laughs> you don't look at all. <laughs> so you're definitely, I'm not as sensitive as probably, m- uh, many Koreans. Um, so there's definitely like low lactose, like foods you can consume, mm. like butter is pretty low. Um, you know, if you're gonna eat cheese, probably better to eat like hard cheese as opposed to like soft cheeses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I mean, it'd probably just be better just to completely avoid it. Um, but again, like less processed, so like raw stuff exactly, would be really good. Exactly. But even with raw products, like you have to build up a tolerance to it. Yeah. So you can't just start start consuming like a bunch of like raw milk. Yeah. Um, it's gonna like mess Dude, up. Dude, raw food. milk. Talking, like, I'm talking about raw milk. Uh, since I was a, like little boy i was drinking yeah. about two liters of like raw fresh still warm out of cow's otter yeah. <laughs> milk yeah. uh sometimes even i would go and milk milk yeah. cow and just bring it fresh yeah, milk if you have that and i remember yeah like as a kid i was never i, I was never sick i was uh, no allergies mm. none of that and then it's funny to meet someone now here who says like you should stay away from dairy products at all. No. And but then I do agree that it's a certain age when you become like a certain age then it's a different yeah. kind of you know it's a different relationship with dairy. But yeah, it's a very interesting minefield out there with all the yeah, foods. Yeah, I mean, we had a massive thing in the US with the whole the fat-free thing. So mm. there was a lot of uh, uh, products being put out because everybody thought that fat was bad for you. Mm. Um, and they still do think that fat's bad for you. But I think fat is actually fantastic oh, for you. Yeah. Your brain is like majority fat. So fat is is highly necessary, yeah. especially animal fats, for sure. And, uh, you know, you want to kind of stay away from as much of the highly ultra-processed foods as you possibly right, can. Right, right. That's, that's really the big thing. Right? That's just, yeah, yeah that's for sure. Case. But if you stay away from, again, the seed oils, vegetables, oils, and the... Uh, the highly refined like sugars and flour, that's pretty much everything that is like bad for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just have a whole food diet, like, but again, there's like no money in like promoting just a whole food diet. You exactly. know, like you need to eat products. They were saying, someone was saying about the budget, what they have for soft drinks, comparing it to budget what they have for juices. It yeah. was like one, two million or something. Yeah. It's just, you know, that's that's why there's no big commercial somewhere saying drink fresh carrot juice or sure. drink for green juice or whatever. Yeah. That's insane. Listen, let's go to the books. Yeah, yeah, Books, yeah. books, books, books. 
Dude, time flies with you. I'm definitely gonna have you back on my <laughs> when I, you know, when I'm back from UK. Yeah. I'm gonna have my studio. There's so many things we can still talk about. So movies, yeah, uh, that's next. But uh, f- uh, books, yeah. So the first one I want to talk about. Peak. You suggested uh, secrets from the new science of expertise. Yeah. And uh, I think I got to like 50% of it. I was just uh, listening in, in yeah. uh, uh, audio version. And one of the main things what I got from it, like they talk about how it's not about the talent you have, it's about how you develop it. Yeah. And I can't agree more. I was literally, I was smiling when I was mm. listening to that. And that's a concept, what I've heard so many times, so many people competed, uh, re- uh, repeated. Uh, Tyson was saying like recently, I think I saw mm. he was like, it's not about, there's nothing to do about your talent and your gift. Yeah. Every day you have to grind. Yeah. Because I mean, that that's a, I think that's a big thing. Is like how many people do we know that we that are born with like mm. just what we think is like wow that talent level is so high, and the work ethic is not there, right? Like their discipline is not there, and they just don't live up to what they were, you know, probably meant to be. Mm. And so, and then we also look at the other side of the coin. It's like it's like wow, this guy he just maximized everything that he was given. And I think that's the way you want to approach life is whatever, wherever you fall, like in the, you know, the realm of like uh, your genes and, uh, you know, the DNA that you were given is like, you want to maximize it as best as you can. You want to optimize it as best you can. And this idea or this like, you know, main, one of the main ideas of this book is like, you really need to work for it, you know? And I, and again, it's like, there's so many different components to it, but to not maximize your true an ultimate potential. Uh, there's like this idea of like, like what would be, what would be your hell, right? And so there's like all these different ideas, like what someone's hell would be. But like the one idea of the hell with relationship to this is you, um, your afterlife is like you meet the best version of yourself, the person oh, that you could shit. have been, right? It's like the, and it could, there could be other, a variety of different variations of this, but like, you could have been like the best musician in the world or you mm. could have been like this, but you didn't live up to any of it, right? And it's like, then you have like these levels of like regret. Um, but I think, and, and the interesting thing though is like, we never actually know like what could be our our best state or our ultimate or most perfected position, right? And so because of that is like, you should just be always constantly in this process of, of growing, and and growing doesn't mean you're always working, you're always studying, you're always like on the grind. A big part of that is like finding a rest component, right? Is recovery component and, and the so balance. And that's, the balance. That's the, that's the biggest one. So that's really quite important. But you need to have like something that you're going after, yeah, and then yeah. put in the time and effort and have the discipline to like be consistent with it and and like hit it full on. So that's that's one thing I really like about like this book from uh, Anders Ericsson. I think it's uh, really quite good. I think, yeah, it, it, I could agree to that so much. It resonated with me to me so much. And and recently, I heard this uh, one football uh, coach. I think in Australia was asked by the the parents. Uh, so this uh, they like kids coach, and yeah. parents were asking. Uh, one of the moms was like, "So how big of a chance is that my son, who is already very, very talented, is going to mm-hmm. get to whatever league?" And then he said he counted these four different types of kids who usually uh, who are yeah. actually out of them are the most successful ones. Yeah. I don't know the two ones, but the two other ones I remember was one is like someone who comes in like no talent, no gifted, nothing, but they grind and grind mm. and they're always in. And then the other one, the other side of the stick is a super talented, gifted, everything, everything, but the attitude is shit. Yeah. And those 
is 95% not going to succeed. Yeah. And 95% going to succeed the ones who are putting the work in. Yeah. So that whole thing was uh, was amazing. Um, really enjoyed it. And uh, talking about balance, I think that's for me is huge. And the book which I want to put forward, and I love it, one of my favorite books is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People mm. by Sean Covey. Uh, when I was in Canada, I read that. And I think it's insane because it's all about like you have those four pillars and you can choose probably whatever pillars you want to have, sure. which you consider would be important for you. And so they were talking like the uh, the uh, fitness, uh, it's like a met, like um, knowledge, mm. then uh, then soul and your heart. So it's like with all those like soul and heart, I think soul would be more like um, meditational. Mm. So it's like you're also re- religious side. Uh, so you can meditate, and then the, your your heart would be your relationship with your friends, with your with your uh, loved ones, and uh, and then fitness, simple, obviously, and then um, uh, also the I think there was work. Did I said work finances? So yeah, so any of those is going to be too much, too high. Then yeah. all the other ones are going to suffer. So you can have the most money on the planet if you're not yeah. healthy, if you if you don't have people to share with these experience with, you know, it's not worth it. You're right. Okay, next book, we're going to go to Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. So many people talk about this book. I love yeah. it. And uh, so what was your take on it? Um, you know, I think uh, we're s- there's something that it also ties into the idea of like meditations with Marcus Aurelius and Stoicism, right? It's like there's so much of how much people perceive the opinions of others, uh, especially in relationship to their mm. opinion of themselves. And... You know, we spend, it even goes to like even the funny idea of like, um, you know, who who are the people that are typically giving the most relationship advice? And it's like. The single ones. Single ones. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, well, they're not, they're not living the, the, the part, right? Or, you know, they're not the ones that are actually going through like the relationship issues to the level that we'd like to see, uh, from someone that we're getting, um, good information from, yeah. but we're also like putting so much value into people's opinions that we hear on like the comment sections of like, like let's say you're putting out these podcasts and then maybe you get like one person is be like, why are you doing these podcasts, man? Like nobody's listening. And it's like, Oh fuck, why am I doing that? You know? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. really at the end of the day, it's like, you just like, you do what you want to do because you have passion for it and you love it and you're grinding. Right. And cause that person is probably just sitting on a couch somewhere like eating Cheeto- Cheetos, like just clicking through Netflix and just all they're doing is just leaving bad comments everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. And these are typically people not, uh, not. I mean, if you refer back to the first book of Peak, like they're not putting in any work, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have any level of discipline. So I think, you know, you want to make sure, there's another very interesting uh, main point with stoicism is that like understanding what it is that you can control and what you can't control. And just focusing on the things that you. So can. Ian is referring to the book. He suggested the first one, and I didn't mention it. It's it's right in here. It's the Meditations for Marcus Aurelius, and I started listening it. Yeah. The guy who was reading it was so boring, man. <laughs> I thought I'm gonna crash. Better in a to tree. better to read that. Yeah, book. yeah. I definitely um, like. So I, that's one. That's one of the Stoicism books. But there's a few other Stoicism books that are really. Quite what does good. The sto- Stoicism mean? Stoicism, Stoicism is a, is a type of uh, Greek philosophy. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. So Marcus Aurelius is just one of the one of the philosophers. Um, but all these, these books kind of actually like, they all tie in together. Mm, mm, um, mm. and so it's, uh, a big part of like the practical way of like living your life. Right. Uh, a big part of it is like this idea of, so in this book, like Salar not giving a fuck, it's, uh, it's a good, uh, like modern interpretation of a lot of like what stoicism is. Um, and I don't know if that's his like original intention, but you can see a lot of influence of, uh, of stoicism in, in the mm, book, mm, mm. but even this idea of like, you know, 
you cannot control other people's opinion of you. And, and so it's like if you can't control something like that and you have a very minimal amount of influence on it, um, why, why would you care? You know, like how much or, um, energy are you going to put into that? Um, you want to be so and, and so there was an uh, interesting meme that I like uh, heard or saw somewhere it was like, you know, be careful about rumors because rumors, you know, are typically started by the people who uh, can't be with that person mm. or uh, can't compete with that person. Right. And so you have a lot of people who who just like start shit because um, you know, they're just jealous, right? To a certain yeah, degree, yeah. right? Um, or they they themselves cannot um, have that level of discipline. So they're like, they can't do what you're doing. So then they just like want to bash you, right? And so then you have a lot of people um, where, you know, you should be looking at people who are like high level practitioners, uh, people who are high achievers. And you want to look them at, and see them as like examples like, man, I need to do like that. But you have a lot of people now where they like they look at those people and they're like, oh, we need to break that guy down mm -hmm. so he's more like us, you know. And so there's one just of like us, weird. one of us, all that shit. Yeah. Kind of, so you think you're better than me? <laughs> so it's like, it's like I don't, but you know, it's like you need to work your ass off. Like, yeah. you should be striving to be better than me, you know. And I actually tell that to my coaches all the time. It's like, for as much as like you know, people say like I'm knowledgeable and like I have good coaching whatever you're the buddha with nirvana strength yeah but i'm like i'm telling my coaches like i'm trying to help you actually be better than me because you're starting much earlier than i mm. started you know and it's like if i can support you to be much better than me then that's that's actually a sign of my success is you actually being better yeah and but that's a, also such a very very tricky thing to say someone who's who is that person better than me or that person is better than you especially in coaching yeah. so you can click with some this customer much better than i would click ever you know, that's that's a very, very kind of slippery slow. Um, I really like this one thought as well that uh, instead of trying to be better than someone else, just always try to be better than your version before yeah. or better version of yourself. Yeah, for sure. I, th I think that that's the best one. The only one you want to compete with yeah. is yourself and mm -hmm. just trying to get better and better and better yeah. instead of looking what other people think. And that's that's the uh, not giving a fuck, the, uh, the art. Uh, that was all about that. So... You know, you shouldn't yeah. be you should be caring what other people say. Yeah, and that's what exactly. I love. And 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 every time I get surrounded by people, oh, but what does she? What does this person is gonna say? Do you know yeah. that person? No. So why fuck you? Give <laughs> exactly. give a shit. Exactly. And, you know. And then if yeah. you if you do care so much, then you have to change your friends, man. Yeah. You know, just change yeah. your environment. Yeah. Exactly. That's books, and there's this one more book which I don't want to talk about. Yeah, the Lord, good. the <laughs> Lord of the Rings, man. What I the just, hell? I try to throw in a, like just a bunch of different books that were like from different uh, kind of back. So that's like one fiction book that I that I like. Yeah. So yeah. the Lord of the Rings. Did, did you play the main part? Was that the Hobbit? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have this on yeah. this. Uh, yeah, it's just a good old like fiction book. You know, I can't talk those, like, shit on the same height yeah. as Ian. <laughs> oh, but you the, the feet is funny for you, so you the can do the Hobbit. Feet. Yeah. I oh do my that god, one. I like that because yeah. that special. It's not a special effect. All he does is uh, puts like an extra shoe on on top of their feet. Oh, and does that's, he? Yeah, uh, it looks okay. ridiculous, and it's all just floppies <laughs> around. Yeah. Um, 
Listen, like, we already done two hours. Yeah. Uh, this is going <laughs> to be over. So we can start uh, talking about movies. Uh, Snatch, mm, baby, now you're talking. I actually worked on a Snatch TV series yeah. in UK. Yeah, it didn't do very well. Yeah. <laughs> One of the main characters was actually the guy from Harry Potter, the uh, Weasley, oh. yeah, the, uh, with the gray hair, okay. the yeah. ginger guy. And it was funny, I remember, I came over into set. I didn't know really what to say, because with celebrities, you're just like, yeah. what are you going to say? So something casual. Yeah. And he was smoking, like, every two seconds. Yeah. And I was like... Why you smoke so much? And he's like, I like it. And that's the conversation. <laughs> that's all we had. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Snatch, the the original film was, yeah, I, yeah. I loved it. Snatch is great. Uh, yeah. I try to choose. I mean, the, like the the directors are something that I really like. Kind of took note of. Um, so like I like Guy Ritchie Guy as a Ritchie director. Is insane, yeah. uh, Pulp Fiction, I love like Quentin Tarantino. Dude, fantastic. Quentin and then these other two are like more like cult classics. So like Donnie Darko and Big Lebowski. Um, I think both these are like that's really a film. Great. Big Lebowski is a film what e uh, 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 the Eastern Europe and the Russians don't understand. We no. do not <laughs> fucking get it. There's a lot of American. Yeah, uh, it's so American. But that, Pulp yeah. Fiction, listen, man, I think it's yeah. a it's a genius genius work, and I love Quentin Tarantino's work. I love the way he is yeah. as a personality. This like he, solid, the man. amount of people he sent to fuck themselves uh, when they <laughs> yeah. interview themselves. I would yeah. just be like, if I can one day be uh, sent to fuck myself by yeah. um, by uh, Tarantino. I mean, that guy is for sure day. living the part of like not giving a fuck. Like yeah. he just does whatever he wants to do, and he is super successful for doing it. You know, right. so um, there's definitely a lot of examples like that. You know, you don't know what's possible until you break the mold. Mm. Yeah. I like that expression, break, break the mold. Yeah. I actually just recently watched Django Unchained, I think one yeah. of the greatest Oh, films. yeah, that's good too. Dude, yeah. like, <laughs> and then it's just how to play such a part for Jamie Foxx, I thought it was just insane. Like, he would just went back and fucking fucked up everyone, <laughs> and especially the, the, the guy yeah. for, uh, played by Samuel E. Jackson. Yeah. So I worked with Samuel on uh, Hitman's Bodyguard. He's yeah. such a cool dude. Actually, my trailer was right next to his trailer. Oh, sweet, Because I got an acting part. Yeah. So, and I arrived on the set, and I thought I'm just a stunt performer uh, because I speak Russian, so they would feature me to do a couple lines. Oh, nice. And then as I'm arriving, this lady, she's like, oh, Renard, she's waiting for you. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Here's your trailer. And then I see uh, on one side is um, uh, Ryan Reynolds, yeah. and on the other side is uh, 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 Samuel Jackson. And I was yeah. like, "What the fuck?" Wow. Okay, we Shit. did another thirty minutes. We're gonna do last bit, one more, one more bit. <laughs> so, Pulp Fiction, Snatch, amazing filmies. Donnie Darko have no idea. People should watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a good one. Didn't do. I mean, with cult classics, like sometimes they just don't do really well in the theaters. Mm. But uh, once it got onto the like well, I guess VHS was the original like tapes and stuff. Um, yeah, I got it. Got um, it's it's really good for mm -hmm. sure. Uh, there's a lot of like dream stuff into it. Um, I don't know. It's really hard to kind of like explain the story of the of the film. Actually, I probably shouldn't need. I need to rewatch it. Yeah, and um, you don't have to explain anything. You, yeah. you, everyone knows that you're super cool, and then you just like yes, yes. That's Ian a good said point. that you have to watch it, yeah. and he was born in 1985. And he's younger than Renars. And Renars is the big brother. <laughs> um, and then uh, people. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, people. And then I want to talk straight away about Bruce Lee. And yeah. I think uh, one of my friends who is the oldest Kung Fu, uh, no, uh, Wushu practitioner in the world. Yeah. He's 42 now. Okay. And he's also the champion. Mm. Uh, shout out to Steven. If he's going to watch, he's probably not going to watch it. Um, but I'm going to just cut this out and send to him. Steven, you're the best. <laughs> and Steven, he, his man was Bruce Lee and also yeah. Bruce Lee books. Yeah. And what I didn't know, I knew that Bruce Lee loves talking and like all these interviews yeah. and be like water and stuff like, 
But the amount of philosophy that guy's actually going through, the amount of yeah. philosophy he was promoting, and and uh, what was his main guy who was he quoting usually? Who is he quoting? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's one of those. Uh, I probably should look into that. Buddha, no, but like one of those. Oh, I already forgot yeah. as well. Uh, but yeah, the philosophy he was yeah. so big on it, probably more than so, he was working out. Yeah, yeah, and so and like the philosophy stuff really. I think it's great. Like it ties into even these other guys, um, you know, Alan Watts, uh, Ryan Holiday's really kind of re energized the whole stoicism mm -hmm. in the modern uh, day age. Uh, Tim Ferriss also big into stoicism. But um, I think if you look at things like even like Buddhism as a philosophy, I've been kind of like doing a lot of uh, reading into Buddhism recently. Well, if you shave your head, you're going to be very, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, look like I'm going to soon. I need to, it's too long right now. Um, so yeah, so like Buddhism philosophy, like Stoicism, like Alan Watts, Bruce Lee, like his philosophy and stuff. There's so much like over overlying um, like concepts and, uh, and, and I, I, you know, I like all of it because it's, it's very like practical. It's like you need to apply all these things. Yeah. There's a lot of things you can talk about in theory for sure. And, but just to some, some of it just doesn't apply to like real life. And, and some of it, it's like, it's very just situational. Um, but I think with all of these, like, um, uh, these people, like as far as like influencers go, um, I, it's, these are what I would consider like more, more influencers, right? It's like, they're really good at what their particular crafts are. They're really promoting like a particular like way of like critical thinking and, um, and thinking about philosophy on a grand, grander scale. Mm -hmm. And they're using that as a means to actually like help people find uh, better ways of optimizing their life. You know, it's not so, uh, uh, it's not as like surface level. Is, is I think like most of what we find on like social media kind of nowadays, but it's very easy to just use their talking points, right? And to just be like, you know, pretending to live the part mm -hmm. and not actually living the part. Um, that's where the action kind of comes in, right? Is like you can't just repeat all of like Bruce Lee's quotes and then just think that you know you live the life that yeah, he is yeah, promoting. Yeah. Is like you actually need to live the part, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. It, this all even ties back into like you know the idea of like becoming an expert, right? It's like the level of discipline and like consistency and uh, energy that it takes and focus and everything that you need to like get really good at your craft, like. Think of how much time like Bruce Lee probably spent on like just his craft, you know, like just incredible just sticking, amount of time. Sticking two fingers in a wall before it gets the two finger yeah, thing. So sure, yeah. Probably and had some other practice there. And too, the amount though. of people he just uh, inspired, you know, like all Latvia was doing Bruce Lee kicks around <laughs> yeah. and shit, and it was amazing. But like the, the the thing was like we did never we never knew about this whole other world. But yes, yeah, he kicks uh, and 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 uh, there was Chuck Norris. He was fighting. And yeah. Chuck Norris looked so weird when he was in those old films. He was just like, felt like he had something very sour in his mouth. Yeah. But um, and it, it's like because of the language barrier and also not because of that. We just didn't get that all information sure. on the other side of the, on the pond. And um, yeah, so that's the people. Ryan Holiday. I need to check those people out. Yeah. Tim Ferriss, Alan Watts, philosopher. And the stoicism, like so, s amount of times you're repeating that word stoicism. That is, how did it start? How did that for you kind of, wh who did you see first using that phrase um, and what it represented? I think I first kind of heard a little bit about it, um, maybe from Tim Ferriss. I was really big into his podcast oh, a long okay. time back. But he also had uh, the book, like, 4-Hour Workweek. 
Mm-hmm. And that was like a big popular one from him. I read that one. Yeah, 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 I read yeah. that one. Four hour week. Yeah. yeah, that's Tim Ferriss. And so um Tim Ferriss like worked with Ryan Holiday a little bit about that. Ryan Holiday did a bunch of like really interesting books outside of Stoicism that you might know. Um I can't remember some of his non stoic mm-hmm. books. Um but then yeah, then you start getting into like the more uh kind of well, the guys who or back in the old days of like Seneca and you know Marcus Aurelius was the former Roman uh, Empire yeah, uh, emperor, yeah. and so you have guys like that, and you have uh, just like so many of those old like Greek philosophers that you start looking back at some of the original texts, and so that's one thing I liked about like Ryan Holiday is like he'll show you the original uh, literature, mm-hmm. um, show you who like wrote it, um, and then he tries to relate it to modern day kind of age living, and then then you have an opportunity to kind of like to formulate relate. your own thoughts yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and relate to it better. Cause it can be really hard to like read old texts. It'd be like trying to read like William Shakespeare and just be like, I don't understand any of this stuff. Um, and just like completely leave it. But there's mm-hmm. like some amazing things that came from Shakespeare. Um, and so, but the problem for most people is like, you have to like, you have to be able to relate with the language that they're trying to use at that time. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that can be really, really difficult. Um, so having someone like Ryan Holiday or anybody who's can take a very difficult text right. and translate it essentially into something that's more easily understandable by by people, it will garner more attention. Right. And right. so he's kind of like re uh, energized the whole idea of like stoicism as a philosophy. It's exactly like when I tried to understand the lyrics of the uh, uh, Drop Like It's Heart. Mm. When the pimps in a crib mod drop it like it's hot, <laughs> and then it was like I got a roll in my arm and a pouring shine down. And literally, there's certain things. I'm a nice dude with some nice dreams. See these ice cubes? See these ice creams? I was like, what does he mean by ice cubes? What yeah. does he mean by ice creams? And ice creams, those were like sneakers. What yeah. sneakers? Like what is this? And I literally need to look up online like to f- see that what it means. Yeah. And the fizzad and like, um, dro- oh, anyways, that's a different story. Sure. Listen, before we finish this. Um, um, could you share with a couple, wi- I call them wisdom bombs. Okay. So this for people who want to be like you when they grow up or, <laughs> or the best way I, I, yeah. I like to phrase it, what would you say to young Ian who is like 10 years old? 10 years old. Yeah, 10 years, 15, I don't yeah. know, choose. Like when you, when, I don't know, like I think around when we start kind of considering our futures, probably about 16, 17. But even then, all we think about getting drunk and getting laid. Yeah. I don't know when is a good time. Because like I think it's a, such a wrong time for people to make the decision uh, like to graduate high school when you're 18 years old. Yeah. Now you have to choose your life. Yeah, you know? I mean, I think the hard thing to... You know, so, like, we, we grow up, like, we're part of a system mm-hmm. as we grow up, right? We're influenced by our own family members. We're influenced by the school. We're influenced by everybody, right? TV and social media and even at that time, the people we interact with and everything, you know? And I think we have such a hard time trying to figure out who we actually are. You know, we have so much external noise, like propaganda being pushed at us. And you end up growing up, like, going through all these things that people tell you you should be doing and you end up, uh, you know, becoming like 30, 40 years old or whatever. Mm -mm -mm. And you've realized that you haven't done anything that you actually really wanted to do. You just only been doing what you've been told is what is expected of you. Mm -mm. And so that's, I think that's a really hard concept with, I mean, as a kid, you would want to help encourage, you know, continued creativity 
um, continued search of like what your true interests are and then having the courage to be able to like follow through with that. So like, I mean, who knows, like, was I really interested in doing these team sports because I was actually really interested or I was just being really pushed by like, I lived in Texas and high school football is massive in Texas. And it's like anybody who's anybody plays football. Yeah. And so you're, you're pushed to live a certain way by these massive machines that are running like systematically behind the scenes. So it's really hard to, you know, I think, I mean, it was a little kid to do like you can't, uh, it's really hard to go against the the system against the stream as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like what is being pushed at you. Yeah, Yeah. So, you know, for as much as it like, I guess you'd want to give, um, someone like 10 years old, some particular advice, what are the chances that they would actually follow through with that? Yeah, or they even exactly. could? Probably very little, you know? So you probably couldn't do much as an individual until probably until you maybe you finish high school or maybe a little bit earlier than that because it just depends on how mature you are. I think in, in most of the cases, what I know, it's about the time when you're se- second, third year in university. Yeah. I think that's the time. And in Latvia, I saw that people would still think, oh, yeah, I need to go to university. Even if I'm going to study something what I have no interest in. Mm. I went to study business. I was surrounded by people who had no fucking clue what they want to do. I had artists on my right, (laughs) biologists on my left. You know, I had just just something else in my front and some musicians and whatever. It's like, why are you here? Because I said to my mom, I want to study music. She said, fuck you. (laughs) You need something serious in your life. And that was my thing. Like, oh, journalism? No, no, no. Even mother who done journalism for 15 years. For now, you need real career. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think there's um, probably, I guess one of the biggest things is like, you'd probably want some time to like stillness time. Like you'd want time to meditate, Mm. um, which is a really hard practice, especially I think for, for a kid. Um, you want time to do some introspective practice, right? It's like you need that stillness. You need that meditation to allow you to spend a little bit of time. You know, actually, probably the easiest thing would just be like just journal. Right. Just journal. Like spend 10, 15 minutes every day. Just write about whatever comes to your mind and just journal. You Dear know? diary, Ian, today yeah, saw someone really beautiful. <laughs> I'm just so scared to talk to her. <laughs> so I think like journaling is a way for um and and learning how to write right it's like Mm. it's a way for people to really be able to process their thoughts um without so much external uh influence um you can just find find like 10 15 minutes in a quiet place and even it doesn't have to be something that is structured that's not the really the point right right, right. it's just like just a brainstorming just 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 like brain dump you know it's like just write whatever comes to mind and just really think about or i mean you can think about anything or think about nothing that's kind of the idea of like meditation is not to have a specific purpose as to why you're doing it it's just like meditation is just meditation just like like what's the like alan watts talks about this like what's the purpose of uh, music and it's like the purpose is not to reach the end of the song the purpose is just the music is just music like Mm. you just you enjoy what the music is offering at this moment in time same with dance there's no like you're not aiming to get to the end of the dance. It's like you're just you're dancing, and that's in what you should moment, be doing. You yeah. should just be doing the dancing, right? And so like meditation in that way, journaling in that way, it's like it. I think journaling in that way will help you be more present, and I think it's a good practice to then also like as from a critical thinking perspective, is like writing will help you get better at critical thinking. 
Um, and that's something like Jordan Peterson talks about. Yeah. Right. It's like yeah. learning to write is like to help people actually think. And if you can teach people to actually think, then they can actually start formulating the actual lives that they want because then they can negotiate, which is what most people don't, don't do because they don't know what they want. Yeah, so. and Jordan Peterson is one of other people who are just like, hallelujah. Yeah. That he's there and fighting all these battles. For and it's sure. It's insane. Like, this yeah. stuff he's already been facing. Next level, man. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And uh, we're so grateful that we have these warriors out there and, and doing these things. And and um, talking about, like, meditation, talking about present, being present, that's so huge nowadays, yeah. especially among youngsters. You know I go, I go in in UK in London. I would go to this fancy restaurant. The whole family sits there. Everyone's on their phones. It's, it's like tough what one. the fuck? It's you yeah. know, it's sad. It's and and even I find myself as well like to actually connect to someone. And also, this is one of the reasons why I do this. Yeah. Because we are present. We have mm. headphones. We like we can't just like all of a sudden you know scroll our phones yeah. and stuff. And but it's, it's like I do keep looking at this screen. I mean, there's nothing on there. It just keeps, <laughs> nothing changes. But yeah, I should just take I it off. It's like probably things, just But I think you things up. like that, too, though, it's like even, I mean, like even our phones, right? It's like there's, a, you know, even just having the phone on the table is enough of a distraction mm. for some people, you know. And that's, I think, I mean, I think everybody battles with that kind of stuff. And, I, you know, I, I fall into it sometimes as well. So there's definitely times where, like, when I know, like, I'm truly trying to stay present, it's like, I'll like make sure like my phone is like way out of reach. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then every once in a while, you're like you're like looking at it, like, oh, is it still like, there? Is, is it there? still alive? Oh, did I hear a ding? Is it is it oh ringing? Oh my god! You know, um, we just need so. to make these parties where you have like this rotary phone in the in the, in the oh, corner, yeah. and you, if you need to make a call, you yeah. need to know your number. It's like oh, written down somewhere. Yeah. I had the rotary phone in my house. Yeah, it was. I insane. remember that having like a list of phone numbers in my wallet. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was normal. Was no, <laughs> that was a normal, normal thing. Yeah. I, I would love to kind of promote the yes, gym a little bit. Yes, finally. Yeah, yeah. So, awesome. Uh, for sure. I mean, I'd love people to check out nirvanastrengthbali.com or Boom. check out Instagram, Nirvana Strength. You can also find me uh, on Instagram. I'm going to put all of those down under. Stoic uh, philosophy. So, uh, stoic mobility. <laughs> stoic philosophy. Stoic philosophy. Stoic While you're doing mobility. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Stoke Mobility and then Nirvana Strength on Instagram and then uh, come check us out in uh, Bali. Hundred yeah. percent. Listen, like I'm gonna put all the all this. This I found a photo of you without beard. I, in the beginning, I was like, "Who the fuck is yeah, this guy?" That's old. Doesn't old look photo. anything like you. Also, have some hair on his head. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, so I, I open all these these yeah, pages, but awesome. yeah. Don't worry, I'm gonna put all the links. Yeah. Um. Uh, what are the like? A pro what are the projects you at the moment you focus the most? Is there something you're pushing? Is there something um, what people who listen they should check it out? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for my own like personal account, like I'm I'm looking to kind of create some like courses and also work with some other like high level uh, practitioners um, in their own particular fields. The idea is just like optimization, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, how can we beyond just like training, but ideas like combining training, um, lifestyle, uh, and health, and just optimizing your life. To, to just be a better person. Um, and I think there's definitely a lot of opportunities to optimize like every aspect of life. But I think there's um, a lot of coaching that needs to be involved in that. And that's mm. and coaching. It's very similar to like, I guess, the idea of like mentoring people through different processes. Um, you know, it's not just like kind of like fake like life coaching kind of things that we kind of <laughs> see a lot of right nowadays. Especially in Bali. <laughs> yeah. So and, and to understand like, like that the coaching that is required of that especially when it comes to like habit formation and behavior change right it's like it takes so much time and effort 
um, you know, like even let's say you guys want to start now, like journaling, like 10, 15 minutes journaling, like how long can you consistently do that? You know, like so many people do it for like a week because they're motivated, but then they stop, you know, it's like, can you just do a 10, 15 minute journal like every day? Can mm. you stay still for like 10, 15 minutes and meditate every day? Like it's not long, like 10 minutes. Come on. Like you should be able to do that consistently for lifetime. That's what meditations by Marcus Aurelius was just his journaling. And it's some of the, you know, like some of the greatest philosophy that we know. Um, and that's what your journal could be, right? It could be. Does it have to be written by hand or it doesn't matter? I can type on a laptop. What do you it's, think? It's, there's different reasons for why you might want to write by hand versus like typing. Um, I, I, I probably spend most of my time typing. Same um, thing. Sometimes I do I writing. To write. Yeah, sometimes I write with like a, with by hand. But I think like typing, it just allows me to get my thoughts and ideas out faster. Mm -hmm. um, so it's closer to, um, but I mean, you can always do like an audio journal or like audio to written uh, format. Does this count as audio journal? Yeah, I mean, it's journal. <laughs> like, sure. I mean, people would uh, one day look back and find this podcast and be like, oh, shit. What did they smoke? Were they? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. And so. then any, uh, uh, just to finish up with any upcoming things for Nirvana Strength? Um, we're we're continuing to work on our website and we're going to put out some uh, new like course materials mm -hmm. um, for training. And, uh, and so we're looking forward to like, put together a bunch of like follow along videos and stuff. So just getting more material in the online realm. And uh, we're doing a lot of preparations, like as far as renovations go for the actual physical facility. When are you going to fix so your sauna? The uh, door's not opening <laughs> properly and there's some boards are broken. I scratched my ass a couple days ago. It should be <laughs> finished up soon. Oh, but yeah. your is the best. That's you the should best. go check it out. This um, is kick, kicking ass in e for Ian. So finishing it soon. <laughs> um, so yeah, doing a bunch of renovations for the gym. I mean, I would love to, in the future, open up other locations, like more international oh, locations, okay. so like Portugal, Mexico. Oh, I thought you were going to say Ubud. Super, <laughs> no, it would be super awesome. Um, and Latvia, you should go to Latvia. Uh, they they sure. want to get in shape. Do you have money? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. now. We want to get in shape. That's it. <laughs> so, yeah, the idea is to, like, just spread Nirvana strength around the world. You know, having, like, four to five locations would be fantastic. You know, just kind of just going through the process and just, like, Part of it is just like waiting for all this stuff to open up, you know, because it's really hard to travel. It's really hard to run a tourist based business. Yeah. There are no tourists, you know. Yeah. So luckily we've been able to survive and um, and do really well um, considering all things. And, uh, and we'll continue to push forward and just get better at everything. Nice, buddy. Okay. That's awesome. I love all it. Right. I love it. And then we're going to finish with the same song. Where is it? See better location. You want to in Portugal? We'll open your location. Awesome.